I told them folks? I said, you all can go to hell. I'm going to Texas. Howdy and good morning, worthy friends. This is the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Coming to you from the Republic of Texas, I am your humble host, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Barrett, uh, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that will follow here on the Crusade, uh, 844-527-8723. CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat if you want to be a part of the conversation. And boy, oh boy, folks, you're going to want to be a part of this conversation. Because I say it is normally coming to you from the Republic of Texas. But uh, I have to, um, not have to, joyfully cannot wait to introduce the Crusade Channel audience to Joe and Joe of the show Frontlines, who are going to be pretty much, I'm handing the reins off to him today, folks, because uh, I can't contain him. All right, I can't, I can't handle these guys. So, uh, without further ado, I'm gonna let them introduce themselves, and and uh, I'll be popping in and out. But folks, we gave a warm Crusade Channel welcome to Joe and Joe from the front lines. Well, welcome to the front. Thank you, Rick, and welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Facillo joined as always by Joe Resinello. And as we always say, Rick, we're going into the breach and welcoming our brothers and sisters down in your neck of the woods to go in there with us. Um, we're dropping truth bombs, Rick. We're dropping truth bombs out there. Our goal is to make liberal heads explode. Uh, and the best way to do that, the most effective way to do that is to just tell the truth. And that's what we're doing when it comes to our politics, our society, our rotten culture that we're living in, um, mainly to a Catholic audience. But we're, we're appealing to everybody because the truth appeals to everybody. So uh, so we're going into the breach today. Joe Resinello. Where are we going? <laughs> well, I guess a good a good place to start is Happy All Saints Day. Yes. We're, we're Catholic with a C and not a K. So what does that mean? It means getting to church. Today is uh, a mandatory day. Uh, it's a holy day of obligation. So please get to church if you're Catholic. If you're not, say a prayer for us because we need prayers. That is for sure. We're going to start off with South Carolina, Joseph. Oh. We're going to talk a little bit about Joey B. That's Joey Biden. He was denied Holy Communion this week by a priest in South Carolina. Let me get the names right, because names are important. We got the, uh, the priest who did it. His name is Father Robert Morey. And the church is St. Anthony's Church in, in Florence, South Carolina. Let me just give you a little quote what Father Morey said after the fact when he denied uh, the former vice president Holy Communion. Sadly, this past Sunday, I had to refuse Holy Communion to the former vice president. Holy Communion signifies we are one with God, each other, and the Church. Our actions should reflect that. Any public figure who advocates for abortion, places himself or herself outside of Church teaching, is not permitted. He goes on to say, I will keep Mr. Biden in my prayers. that, That last one always seems to get overlooked in this conversation. I mean, this guy is getting so severely attacked for doing really what he was supposed to do. Okay, I mean, what was Biden's reaction? Like, like Biden's reaction is, well, I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic, and and I don't have to, uh, I don't have the right to uh, impose my values on others. Okay, but we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But um, but this priest did exactly according to canon, which you'll you'll get into in a little bit. Uh, what he was supposed to do, and Joe Biden, not for anything. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you're, if he is a practicing Catholic, 
Okay, let's assume that that's the case. Then he knows that his position on abortion precludes him from receiving the Eucharist. He should know that anyway. I mean, am I am I being judgmental no, by, by, by saying that he should? Nobody's kicking him out of church. He should have been respectful, knowing that it wasn't the priest's actions that were going to cause a problem or cause a scandal. It was his actions that were say, causing the I scandal. I would say, Mr. Biden, you are not a practicing Catholic, and I'm going to tell you why. Because there is a canon, and in that canon, it says if a person obstinately persists in manifest grave sin, you are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. Let me repeat that. Obstinately persists in manifest grave sin, you are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. That's Canon 915. Uh, now, just real quick, because unfortunately I had to watch this conversation on Fox News, okay, which really, really is heading down the path towards not becoming very friendly to conservative Catholics, okay? Let me just say that. Uh, there still is some truth going on there, but then uh, let's say uh, one of the hosts in the, on the morning show. OK, um, he's turning around saying, well, the priest, what are we what are we going to do? Go up to this person and say, uh, you're not ready. Uh, you're an, uh, I'm paraphrasing. You're not ready. You're an adulterer. Or you can't receive because you you miss mass on Sunday. It's like this. The way they, they frame the argument uh, makes it confusing. They don't people. know their faith. Well, the well, that's to both of them is correct. Yeah, right. Exactly. The priest himself, in this particular case, okay, no, if, if a person goes up, and the church teaches this, if a person goes up to receive Holy Communion, the priest is to assume the person is ready to receive Holy Communion, because what did you just read in the canon? That, how is the priest to know that that person is in a state of mortal sin? They're not a public manifest sinner, okay? In the case of Joe Biden, the priest has to know. In other words, this guy's been a look for decades. For decades, and let's please dispel this, this lie that, that Joe Biden or Mario Cuomo when he was alive or Andrew Cuomo or Nancy Pelosi or anyone are personally opposed to abortion. OK, that is a lie. Joe Biden aggressively promotes abortion, the funding of abortion to keep it protected legally um, under Roe versus Wade. He's not personally opposed to abortion. So let's get that out of our heads. The priest did what he was supposed to do. And let's face it, too. The priest has to worry about himself. Absolutely. OK, the priest has to take care of his own soul in this case to say, look, whatever this guy does or that guy does, um, you know, I know that this person takes these positions. He is a public person. It's manifest public sin. It's a grave matter. Um, so it's mortal sin. I'm not giving him the Eucharist. But I thought his explanation was perfect. His explanation was perfect. Exactly. Like, I will keep Mr. Biden in my prayers, but I could not um, give him Holy Communion. I think that's totally legitimate. And, and for this guy to get attacked is, is, is ridiculous. And sadly, this should not even be news. This should be the norm. And the problem is in this country for decades, people who are Catholic do not know their faith. I went to Catholic high school. I went to a Jesuit college. I actually went to a Jesuit graduate school. I didn't know how to pray the rosary. I didn't know what Eucharistic adoration was. I learned everything on my own to the best of my ability. Right, right. The people of our country in the American Catholic Church sadly do not know their faith. Whose responsibility is that? That's the bishops. The bishops are the teaching head of the church. It is their job to teach the faithful. Sadly, the faithful do not and, know their faith. And also, just to just to uh, piggyback with that a little bit, and to not sow confusion. Very true. See, confusion is a big problem here. We just just so uh, our audience knows, um, all you good people down there who are who are listening to the Rick Barrett show, 
Um, we're, we're not in the business of bashing bishops and cardinals, okay? Um, that's not what Joe and I are all about. We'll offer a legitimate criticism when that, when that time arises. I think that like when, when a cardinal goes on TV and says, well, I would have given him the Eucharist, or I wouldn't have done it that way. The problem with that is it causes confusion to the average person, okay? So not only are you getting uh, a lack of catechesis, let's say, coming from uh, coming from the, the hierarchy in America, but then that may, that leads to confusion because the person who doesn't, let's say for argument's sake, who hasn't rolled their sleeves up and dug deep into the Catholic faith, okay, looks at, it looks at that and then is confused between Father Maury's statement, let's say in the statement of a particular bishop or cardinal and says, well, who's right? And the one thing that we have to understand, the church should not be about confusion. People should be confused about this. See, and that's one of the that's one of the problems. They don't know who to believe, Joe. The, the, that's what I'm trying to say. The beauty of the Catholic Church, and I've been teaching it for a number of years, is it's painting by numbers. It's all written down. This is not a storefront church. You just have to read it. It's not your church. It's Christ's church, and it's for us to listen. It's for us to be obedient. Is that a word that we've forgotten in America? Oh, yes. Obedience. Obedience. (laughs) Obedience. Listen to God. Why? Because he's God and I'm not. You know, also, the Catholic Church is what? One, holy, and apostolic. It's one. We are one voice. There should not be no, this one says this, this one says that. It's one voice. Well, that's that's exact. But that's been that's been, unfortunately, and one that's of the, a scandal. That, well, it is because that's one of the problems of, of, let's say, I mean, we're in 2019. But let's face it. These problems have been going on for a very, very long time. Well over 100 years going back to Pope Pius X. You know, as you're talking about, let's say, the, the 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 synthesis of all errors, which is modernism. Modernism, by its nature, creates confusion. Okay, that's that's what it does. I mean, if we listen to St. Paul, we're all supposed to put on the mind of Christ. Okay, if you listen to Jesus Christ himself, when he prayed to the Father, and he says, I pray they all be one as you and I are one. We don't have that right now. The church, I'm talking about the people in the church, not the church. Okay, we are not of one mind. And the thing is, we need to be directed. We need to be guided. Okay, we need to pray for this because ultimately we're guided by the Holy Spirit. Uh, But we're supposed to be of one mind. Getting back to Joe Biden for a second. Okay, Um, you're not supposed to. In other words, no, it's not judgmental for the for the bishop or the cardinal or even in the case of Father Maury to say, Senator Vice President, excuse me, Vice President Biden, you're wrong. You've been wrong on this position. You cannot present yourself for Holy Communion. You need to repent of your position, okay? You forget about this Americanism, this, this false idea of Americanism, that somehow the, the belief in the, uh, in the Catholic faith, uh, faith or adherence to the Catholic faith um, and, the, and a, a respect for the United States Constitution are somehow mutually exclusive. No, our Catholic faith fits in very well. We can be very good Americans and even better Catholics, okay? But the way, that, but the way modernists set it up is that you're either one or the other. And that's a lie. That's a lie. In other words, just to give you a concrete example, the right to life is found in the Constitution. You know, Congress will not pass any laws um, that uh, infringe on the right to life, liberty, and property. Okay? Um, what's, what's so unclear about that? How is that, let's say, opposed to Catholic teaching, life, liberty, and property? It's not. But they have to set up these straw man arguments that if you're a faithful Catholic, and you are an American, or if you are an American, a good American, you can't be a faithful Catholic. And that's and that's one of the things that needs to be that needs to be exploded in all this thing. We are good Americans. We follow the laws, even the unjust ones, because they are the laws. We fight against them, 
uh, but we but we follow the law, okay? But we fight against those laws. We try to improve society. And at the same time, yes, we're faithful Roman Catholics. The, my point in this whole diatribe, the two are not mutually and, exclusive. And, and to be clear, this is a teaching of the church. I don't want people who hear our voice to say these are two staunch and stuffy traditional Catholics or Orthodox Catholics or right-wing Catholics. There is no such thing. That's right. You are just Catholic or you're not. You either believe in the teachings of the church or you don't. When you receive the Eucharist, there's a reason why there is a creed before you receive it. What does that do? You say, I believe, I believe, I believe, mm -hmm. I believe. If you don't believe, you don't receive. Now, we mentioned the canon. Let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about it? We're going to go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. What does this mean? It means that we all must examine our consciences as to the worthiness to receive the body and blood of our Lord. This examination includes fidelity to the moral teachings of the church in personal and in public life. In public life. We're part of that, let's say again. I'm only criticizing or pointing out to the fact that Joe Biden is the one who said, I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic. Well, obviously, Vice President Biden, you're not. See, let him get this whole idea, this, this well, uh, I'm a practicing Catholic, but I don't believe in this, and I don't believe in that, and I don't believe in that. All right, but then, but then why would you even bother to, see, if I didn't believe in something the church teaches, guess what? I, I would look, I, I guess I would have found something else. To come back into after a life of debauchery in but 20 years of my life. But if you were being honest with yourself, at that point, you could still go to Mass. You just can't receive. Right. You just sit in the back. Not? Priest isn't going to come and single me out, public or private, and say, and say, get out. Or, yeah, right. I'm You're baptized. Welcome. You're welcome to right. sit. You just don't receive right. out of respect for who is on the altar. And that's Jesus Christ. Right. And the other, I will say, just on a, on a personal level, um, I, you know, I will say that, that my feeling about this, I hate feelings. I hate talking about like, but what, what I experience when I see, let's say, uh, or hear about this Joe Biden going up to receive communion or Nancy Pelosi, or it's not that I don't want them to, let me be clear. But one thing I do know is this, they've been in public life for decades. Okay. We know what they think. We've heard them speak. We heard how they, how they deride, let's say faithful and practicing Catholics, um, in, in the way they, the way they talk down to people when they go up to receive the Eucharist, I feel like they're mocking us. Now, I could be wrong, JoJo. I could be wrong. My father but I, feel, I feel mocked by them. My father used to say, my father was a barber, had a one-man barber shop in Belleville, New Jersey, and he used to say, the rules don't apply to them, but they apply to me. Right, right. And that is the scandal. It's a scandal to the average man. The average man that goes to work every day, raises his family, goes to church on Sunday, mm -hmm. and then why doesn't it apply? To Mr. B uh, why, did, why does it just apply to him and not to, say, a fancy guy like the vice president of the United States? But this is the norm. And sadly, our bishops, there are bishops that do their job, and, and but sadly, there's some that don't. And that's on them. Well, thank God. Thank God for, let's say, what is it, uh, Bishop Strickland. Uh, Rick, I think he's down in your neck of the woods. He's down a there. He's a, he's a Texan. He's, uh, he's out in Tyler. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a uh, little bit out of the way, but no, not out of the way. But, yeah, he's out in Tyler, Texas, and he is fantastic. You guys yeah, are absolutely I, 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 right I, about that. Rick, for, forgive me. I forgot Texas is a rather big state. So <laughs> what uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit on the large side. I mean – yeah. Uh, you, you Jersey boys would get the fact that if you drove from where you're at now to Florida, what's that like a nine hour drive? 
No, right. no, it, it actually would take uh, about if you could if, without stopping, you probably can make it in about twenty hours. Oh, to, oh, okay. Well, then never. Well, that would about cut that in half, and you that's one side of the state of Texas to the other. <laughs> so it's uh, about ten hours to get from DFW to my in-laws in El Paso. So oh, yeah, okay. it takes a little bit of a time. But yeah, to, to, he's fantastic down here. And let me just add one real quick thing, because you guys are killing it here on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing with my special guests, Joe and Joe from the front line. Uh, I have a saying here on the, on the Barrett Brief that you can be either be an American Catholic or a Catholic American. And the order is absolutely imperative, uh, because whichever one comes first is whichever one you put first. What do you guys think of that? I agree. I agree a thousand. And one thing, one thing uh, that we pointed out on our show before, Rick, is that you know identification, like everything's identi- how you identify now, how you or how you allow yourself to be identified. Obviously, we know many people identify themselves in very weird ways. But having said that, we said on this show, and 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 um, it's not really a topic we're going to get in today. But when it, you know we let the left, let's say, call us all a bunch of white guys, to which I told uh, Joe Resinello a couple weeks ago. I said. Joe, from now on, here, here's how I'm, I'm identifying myself. And I really got this from listening to E. Michael Jones, um, and I thought about it, is very simply this. I identify as a Roman Catholic American of Italian descent, period, exclamation point. That's it. Roman Catholic first, okay? God first, then country. Um, and you're right. The way we, the way we talk about it um, is of the utmost importance. And, we, and, and, and let people know that. Let people know that. Um, so, yeah, so you're, you're, you're right. And when people, before they start calling us racists, Joe and I are married to uh, two Haitian-American uh, sisters, and I have <laughs> biracial children. So I'm kind of far from a racist, and I think Joe is as well. So before Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm married to a beautiful woman of Mexican descent from El Paso, so I'm, well, I'm in the same way with you guys. So there yeah. it is. There it is. But, you know, also getting back to Joe Biden, you know, he used to uh, try to, like, align himself with the middle. I mean, Joe, just give me just let me uh, interrupt you there, because I know you're about to drop some awesome truth here. But we're about to take a break. So I don't want you to get uh, to to stop halfway through. So we're going to let Joe and Joe take a moment, get some uh, get some water, get get take a breath because they've been dropping truth bombs here on the Bear Brief on the Crusade Channel. The last live radio station standing, always on air, always online at crusadechannel.com. If you like what you're hearing, folks, you can sign up for free for 30 days at crusadechannel.com forward slash go. Joe and Joe are fantastic talent. That Minter Mike Church of the Mike Church Show from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time was able to find, and and this homegrown talent can only be sustained with your help. So please definitely consider becoming a founding brother here and joining independent radio all right we're gonna give joe joe a bit to uh the front lines a bit to re uh, recalibrate and then we're gonna be back in just a few moments here on the bear brief on the crusade channel with my special guest joe and joe of the front lines the last live radio station standing And 
Welcome back. You are listening to the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, coming to you uh, jointly from the Republic of Texas and the beautiful Garden State of New Jersey. I'm your humble host, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Barrett, ready to uh, hand it off to two very, very, um, very special guests we have here, Joe and Joe from the front lines. We introduced them in the first segment. So if not, uh, these are two people that reached out to Mike and, and Mike talked back and forth to him. He saw that they were, they were talented gentlemen uh, underneath the conglomerate pipeline, and we were able to snatch them up for uh, today's show. So let's go back to the front lines with Joe and Joe, gentlemen. Thanks again, Rick, and welcome back, everybody, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo joined, as always, by Joe Resinello. And uh, we, along with all of you, are, are deep, deep, deep into the breach. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. So at the end of the last segment, we were we were still talking about uh, we were still talking about Uncle Joe Biden. Um, and Joe and I are of the position, and I, I, I would imagine that uh, uh, you guys down there, your audience, we're abortion abolitionists. There, there, there is no moderation on abortion. Uh, we recently did an interview with the protest priest, Father Stephen Imbarato. Great interview, by the way. If you guys or any of your audience members uh, want to check that out, that's on our uh, on our Facebook page, The Frontline with Joe and Joe. You can search for us on uh, Facebook. You see all our videos. But Father Imbarato, I mean, this guy, this guy, we, we, we use the analogy. Joe and I are in the breach um, when we do our show. This guy's storming the machine gun nest, okay? <laughs> and... He's got um, he's got some really interesting things to say, not only about his own personal journey, about what's going on with the Trump administration, um, different things that Donald Trump could do or may very well do either uh, before he's elected or after he's elected, which he undoubtedly will be. Um, so that might be interesting. But here's the thing. As abortion abolitionists, um, we we see that some on the ab- pro abort side at least call themselves moderate. That was what. Most people have looked at uh, they look at Joe Biden that way. Well, he moderate. He was a moderate um, on abortion. It was try to appease the more conservative wing, if there is one, because there's really not anymore of the Democrat Party. I mean, Joe's going to talk about it. I mean, this guy, if, if you if there was moderation on abortion, if we allowed for that, this guy's no longer moderate. Well, there's no moderation in the whole Democratic Party because you have to accept abortion upon demand up until the day that a woman's going to have the baby, or right. you can't be in that party, period. Right. You've been, well, Tom Perez made that clear. Let's be clear to the audience, okay, uh, and everybody out Who's there. Tom Perez? Tom Perez is the uh, he's the chairman of the Democratic National Committee, okay? He has said, if you're pro-life, you are not welcome in our party. Did he use those words? Maybe not exactly, but that's what he said. Didn't Cuomo right. say and the Cuomo same said the, Andrew Cuomo said the same thing. He and says, who are these people? By the way, for all your audience members to know, Rick, Okay, Uh, all those listening to the Crusade channel. Okay, what Joe and I refer how Joe and I refer to Andrew Cuomo is a fine Italian word called disgrazia. That's what he is. All right. Him, him. And and, and, well, I mean, I mentioned his father. His father's dead. Um, But uh, but disgrazia. And um, that's exactly what they said. He said, who are you? Are you pro-life? Are you against marriage equality? Are you for the Second Amendment? We don't want you in our state. Good. We, you don't, we, you don't reflect New York values. I don't know. I mean, what is I, that I, I don't know what values are. But anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying, and we get long-winded sometimes. Tom Perez and other Democrats have told pro-life people, "There's the door." But Biden had to bow at that altar. Yes. 
And if he didn't bow at that altar, he would not be there. He announced his opposition of the Hyde Amendment, which is a ban on federally funding for abortion. Right. And he supported the Hyde Amendment for a long time. OK, that was part of the we, we, Joe and I always said Biden appealed to the blue blue collar pro-life Democrats in the Midwest um, by saying basically, um, you know, this is like, this was kind of like a, a, a fig leaf to them. This was a crumb for them. Oh, I won't force you to pay for it. Right. Isn't that basically what he said? You know, championing the Hyde Amendment. Uh, I know you're pro-life. I'm personally pro-life, but I don't believe in imposing my values. Having said that, we won't force you to pay for abortion. That's about as moderate as, as uh, you know, as he got. Doesn't sound moderate. Doesn't to me. sound moderate to me, uh, to us. And at the same time, now on that stage of uh, what is what does Mike call them? Mike calls them Democrats. OK, oh. uh, pretty appropriate, if you ask me, um, is uh, there's there's not one voice of moderation. Okay, even if you agree that there should be moderation, except I think Tulsi Gabbard has said, I think, that she favors some restrictions. But again, getting back to Biden. The way she votes does not. Right, right, because the way she votes is going to be right in lockstep with the the, the pro-death party. Um, But Joe Biden, if anybody ever thought he was moderate, just took that and threw it in the garbage. Because this current crop of Democrats and their base is so rabid, they are so completely radical. Okay, that Biden dare not say anything like, well, I don't want to force taxpayers to pay for abortion. He'll be off the stage in a second. Well, let's dissect what he said when people questioned questioned him recently on this particular uh, situation in South Carolina. He said, I'm a practicing Catholic, but I'll never let my religious beliefs, which I accept based on church doctrine, impose on other people. Wrong, Joe. Can we can we can we just roll up our sleeves and get into that a second? Rick. We want, yes. I want you to chime. I want you to chime in on this if you disagree or, or if you could see a, uh, any hole in this argument. Because if there's one thing that Joe and I always say, we don't look left, we don't look right, we look up. We have to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth at all times. And one of the ways we do it is we need to explode their arguments. They're mm. stupid, superficial, ridiculous arguments. Let's get into this while we're while while we're here at the front line and we're on with the Barrett brief. Okay. Um, Let's get it straight, because we need to arm ourselves with with much better arguments. If a person says, I don't have a right to impose my values on others, that is a lie. That is a lie, because all law is based on imposing your values on others, thereby restricting their behavior. Okay, what what did I just say? Rick, please chime. What did I say that was wrong? Nothing. I I have to agree right now. I'm 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 in complete agreement with you in the fact that uh, everything you just said that I can't find a hole in the argument right now, my friend. They're going to have to keep going. And that's one of the things, Rick, that we have to hammer home and arm our brothers and sisters with is the truth. Here is the truth of that argument. Okay, Um, and we'll give a concrete example of that uh, to show their hypocrisy. Anytime a law is passed, you're restricting somebody's behavior. Every time a law is passed, you're imposing society's values on the individual. You're telling somebody that they cannot do a certain thing. You could look from seatbelts to Obamacare. Okay, laws are meant to impose restrictions on your behavior that reflect perhaps values that you don't share. That's what law does. Okay, so in this case, when you say uh, I don't have the right to impose my values. Yes, you do. You, the society absolutely has an interest in telling women you cannot kill your preborn child. You cannot. I can't think of a better example where the law would come into play to protect life. Okay. And just very quickly to give it a to give it a little bit more of um, 
a, a, con, you know, concretize it a little bit to make up a word. OK, um, take Obamacare. All right. If you ever had an example where you remember Biden makes this argument about imposing values. Pelosi makes this argument. Andrew Cuomo makes this argument. Mario Cuomo made it famous. OK. In his speech at Notre Dame in 1984. Disgraceful. All right. You're right. OK. Hmm. And that was an argument that two Jesuits, unfortunately, gave to the Kennedys in the 1960s, not to get too much into the weeds. They gave, they concocted this stupid argument, and it's now it's now really seeped into our, our public consciousness. That's why it needs to be dispelled. Take Obamacare, which is a perfect example that, that anybody who makes this silly argument, just use Obamacare as an example. Obamacare imposed the value of having insurance on every single American against their will through the force of law. That means if I was 30 years old and skinny, I'm not skinny and I was never skinny in my life, um, but if I was 30 years old and skinny and in good shape, okay, and I say, you know what, I break my leg, I'll pay for it. I break my arm, I'll pay for it. I get into an accident, I'll pay for it. I don't want to have insurance right now. I want to save my money or whatever the case might be. By law, all those people who championed Obamacare imposed their values on that person. Did they not, Rick? Did they not? Absolutely. I mean, isn't that, like you said at the beginning of it, the whole point of the law in its most basic application is to put promote somebody, whatever it is, an entity, a person, a protected class at the restriction or at the, yeah, we'll go with restriction, at the restriction of someone else, society, certain classes and so forth. So, yeah, you're right on the money there, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we need to start hammering that home. So when anybody, I would just give practical advice. I've done this myself just in conversation. I work in New York City, Rick Soda's Joe, and live in New Jersey. I mean, you run into a liberal everywhere you go. And I have many friends, uh, people who I love to death, um, who are on the political left. And when people, I've heard that argument, I've said, well, then when I've heard people say, I don't have the right to impose my views on others, I said, well, then you don't believe in the law. And yeah. they really have to walk away because they, they suffer from, from that cognitive dissonance, and then they don't know how to respond, and then they walk away because, quite frankly, they don't know how to respond. Because, to me, um, the argument itself uh, is, is, is kind of airtight. No, like it, you just said, Rick. It that. is airtight, Joe, because what you're actually doing when you're applying such uh, brazen truth to the average American is the average American has been convinced that uh, making sure people's feelings don't get hurt, and that's really the crux of the entire uh, defense of, well, I, I don't have the right to impose my feelings because or my beliefs because I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings. And as you've said and before, and I'll just use this example, well, it doesn't matter if I'm hurting your feelings. Uh, babies are dying if we're talking about abortion. So whether it's hurting your feelings or keeping babies alive, we, the the answer is obvious, but as you say, and and I'm from Rhode Island originally, gentlemen. Uh, this is Rick Barrett of the Barrett Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. I'm with my special guest, the Joe and Joe from the front line. Uh, we're talking about all manners of things. 844-527-8723 if you want to be a part of the conversation. Or jump in the chat room at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I'm from Rhode Island. I'm the only one west of the Mississippi. So I have my entire families on the East Coast. So most of my family falls into that category. I still love them. I still do what I can. But I also understand that they've been indoctrinated to the arguments that you're trying to bust. So, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the things that Joe and I hammer home all the time is that by when you tell the truth again, I, I, on a most, I, I think, Joe, you would agree with me on the most fundamental level as 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 Roman Catholic men. 
our first and foremost job is to tell the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in all places, at all times, you have to tell the truth. And by, by telling the truth, Rick, th- th- what Joe and I are trying to do, and what we say all the time, is we're trying to raise the consciousness of the American people. Like you mentioned about family members. We all have family members who have bought this stuff. We have to help by the way we live. And yes, by telling the truth in a kind and loving way, but telling the truth that, yeah, you have to raise your consciousness. You have to you have to destroy some some false idols that you might be holding on to. But also, I think a key, a very important point is we have low information Catholics in this country. They don't know their faith. If Joe Biden was a practicing Catholic, he would know that the bishop said that abortion is an intrinsic evil. They made that very clear. What's an intrinsic evil? Yeah, please get it. Please it's get something into this. that is always evil, no matter the circumstances or rationale. The bishops made this absolutely clear, which means you can never be for this. They've said it. It's black and white. They've also said that abortion, same-sex marriage, euthanasia, cloning, fetal stem cell research are intrinsic evils. This is clear, and if you're a practicing Catholic, you should know this, which means that if you are for this, you absolutely cannot receive the Eucharist. Right. You cannot receive the Eucharist. Right, and, but, and, and that's the thing, assuming, of course, that, that they're, let's just say, let's just say, you know, post-Vatican II, let's say catechesis went down or effective catechesis, whatever, whatever it is, that it's now the job of lay people, you know, Mike, Rick, us, others out there. It's just a matter of telling the truth. Listen, you drop, you drop, what do we always say? Plant the seed with somebody. Tell the truth, plant the seed. You're not going to convert anybody through an argument. You're not going to convert them through yelling at them or anything like that. Just plant the truth bomb in their head. And you know what? Let that, let that truth bomb, let that seed germinate for a while in their mind and in their heart and in their soul. And you pray to God that they open their heart and they see the truth. Joe Biden, let's be kind. The scales on his eyes are very thick. He's been living this way for a long time. Sometimes I'm not making excuses for him, but sometimes it seems like he's really he's really got to get rid of those. You know, what I mean, he's, he's so deep in it. And again, many people who, let's say, support Catholic Democrats who are, who are pro-abortion. It's it's a, it is a sad, sad state of affairs. But that's, that's where the clergy have to be courageous not only do men of goodwill, and I stress the word men, have to be courageous. The clergy have to be clear and courageous. Jesus Christ made waves. We are here to make waves. Right. Let the chips fall where they may. Mm. We have to stand up, particularly men. Men, Catholic men, You're have to right. say the truth and not be afraid. What did Jesus say? Do not be afraid. afraid. What did John Paul II say when he got to the uh, balcony? First words out of his mouth. Don't be afraid. This is what we have to do. I think Jesus said it 365 times, (laughs) one for every day of the year. We have to stand up. And how do you stand up? How do you be courageous? We have to pray. We have to get on our knees and pray. And then God will give us the grace to do it. That's right. And we can do it. Right. One man saying the truth could stand up against the whole world because yeah. one man did. And when, Right, exactly. And, and, and I always use as an example, every time I think about what we're talking about right now, about speaking the truth, you know, obviously you're, you, you're, you speak the truth now, particularly in this very, this very hostile environment, this hostile culture that we live in, this, this culture that, 
You know, it's not like they, they assault all truth, all objective truth. They do it through abortion, gender ideology, gay marriage, um, all these different things that they do. I always think I find I find some comfort. In those, see, when you mention Christ making waves, OK, that's one thing, because he was fully man and fully divine. So I like to try to look like some of Take like I was thinking actually this morning. Today's All Saints Day. I was thinking of State Saint Stephen. Okay, the first martyr. All right, Saint Stephen. What 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 did he do? What did he do that got him killed? What was fundamentally what he did? Said the truth. Said the truth. And what did he they say said in the scripture? Yeah. They could not refute him. Yeah, right. They couldn't refute him. So what they started doing was chewing on their their cheeks from the inside. It was an image to try to express their anger because, like you said. The truth bombs that he was dropping were irrefutable. What was the response? And I say this because this is something that we talk about at the front line with Joe and Joe um, all the time is that we are potentially moving towards a civil war because these people, as the truth begins to win out, which God willing it is, these people become increasingly violent. They can't argue with you. The truth will help us to win more politically, let's say in the political arena. And what do they do? They're softening, softening us up already with Antifa and the rest of them to begin to get violent. That's why I think of St. Stephen, because obviously he was stoned. He was killed for speaking the truth. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, you know what the consequence may be, okay, because we, we have become, I think Bill Donahue this morning wrote in the, in the Catholic League, we are increasingly uncivil, all right, a lot of it coming from the left, that the violence is accepted. He's pointing out writers at the New York Times, they're saying, why aren't people taking to the streets? I'd like to wake them up a little bit. Your people are already in the streets. Antifa is already in the streets. Okay, they're already breaking things, hurting people, disrupting things. You got guys that can't go up to a, in a college campus and give a lecture, okay? Because maybe there's too much truth involved, and Antifa can't have that. The left can't have that. This is what they do. So speaking the truth, it might sound like a nice cliche. Hey, you got to speak the truth. Let me tell you something. Nowadays, there's consequences to it, but we're going to continue to do it nonetheless at the front line with Joe and Joe. I think that was a great discussion, Joe. I think we got to go to the great state of New Jersey. Oh, we're we coming to New Jersey, boys. Talk about. Uh, talk about the culture war. A high school, uh, high school social studies teacher in Somerset, New Jersey, who helped run the school's Gay, gay Straight Alliance and had advocated for introducing students to a cartoon, a cartoon pornography in class, was arrested and charged with sending a male student Sexually explicit images of himself. Now, are you shocked at this? No, 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 no. I, I, I read this. Number one, the fact that it's in New Jersey. Boys, I don't know how often you get to New Jersey, but New Jersey's a mess. OK, just, you know, we love our state, but at the same time, it's it's a mess. None of, anytime we hear a story from New Jersey like this, OK, like we covered the Orthodox Jews in Lakewood, they got vandalized because they stood up for, for traditional marriage. OK. It just never shocks me that this happens in the Garden State. Well, let's get the names because names are important. Yes, the they are. The teacher's name is Sean D. Giovanna. He's Italian on top of it? Well, he's half Irish. He's All half right, Irish. Right. But, but we love right, the Italians. Right, right. We love the Irish. It's a Gaelic-Garlic combination. I know, Rick. I, I mean, let's let's be careful here. I mean, because I am, I am, both, I am, I am half Irish, half Italian. So uh, let's be it. careful. <laughs> the, the school is uh, Wayne Hills Regional High School. And, uh, Watch on Hills. Watch on Hills. I'm sorry. There is a Wayne Hills. There is a Wayne Hills, yeah. And Mr. Giovanna, he makes, just to give you a salary, he makes $86,000 a year. That's taxpayer-based, by the way. Um, the underage victim also reported that uh, Mr. Giovanna sent him text messages soliciting 
a sexual relationship. Right. This is my only question here, Joe Facillo. Why is there a gay-straight alliance in a public high school? This man is a teacher. Right. Why isn't he teaching social studies? Right. Why is he an activist in a public high school? Because high schools, as we all know, and, and uh, conservatives like us and everybody listening to us right now, um, have been and conservative Catholics in particular have been pointing out for for years and years now. The unions have this have the public schools on lockdown, okay. Um, and on top of it, they control the message. And what is the message? They are going to turn all the public schools into uh, social and cultural and political indoctrination centers. That's why you have a gay straight look. If they didn't want to have a, a, a Roman Catholic alliance. At a public school, I got no problem with that. These people don't—they don't know how to teach to teach these kids how to read, write, and do math. Okay, and they want to have alliances and clubs and groups. You know what? Do away with all of them. I don't care. But all of this has no place when you can't even get around to teaching kids the ABCs. All right, that's what it comes I down agree. to. I agree. And again, getting back to uh, the indoctrination aspect of it, this is where they want to force parents into. And this is one of the fights, boys. And all your listeners out there, this is one of the things we have to hammer home. They are trying but through the law. Again, we were talking about imposition of values. They want to force us to send our kids to public school. And in the public schools, that's where they're going to perform all their indoctrination. I think in the novel 1984, I think it was room 101. That was the room you didn't want to go into. That was where you were going to be indoctrinated by the party. OK, poor Winston goes in there and gets indoctrinated by the party. Um, but that's what they want to turn all the public schools into. So you so in, and you mentioned social studies. I don't even trust them to, to teach history because what are they going to do? Teach, uh, you know, a people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn. Again, they can introduce a lot of their nonsense into social studies and history classes or civic. Uh, do they even teach civics anymore or into civics classes? Um, and uh, because that is by design, they, the, the public schools have been taken over for decades. For de Why do you think they're so shrill and why they shriek so loudly when you want to uh, when you want to, let's say, promote uh, charter schools? OK, to compete with the public schools, because charter schools and private schools, you're not going to get all this, or at least not to the degree that they do in the public schools. But because they're, it's like kids slipping through their fingers, they want to have all our children in the palm of their hands and they want to squeeze as tight as they can. OK, and they want to form those children in a, in a way that directly contradicts everything we're trying to be as Catholic parents and people of goodwill, like you said, by protecting them from this from this swamp of a culture that that, 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 that we're embroiled in, like this guy, D. Giovanna. OK, uh, is it a shock that he's running the gay straight alliance and he's soliciting sex from 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 uh, from one of the students? Is anybody like really shocked at this? But not that gets for no second. coverage. No, it's not going to get no coverage. coverage because it blows up the hole in their narrative. At the end of the day, when you're suffering from a disorder, let's 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 be controversial here uh, on the Barrett Brief, on the Crusade Channel, and at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we are way into the breach. Let's be controversial. In other words, this is what th they 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 want. This you're talking about. When you're talking about disorders, they have a disordered sexual desire. In the case of D. Giovanna, he's championing this because obviously his sexual desire is ordered towards the same sex, which is by definition a disorder, okay? Because it's not ordered properly through some to someone of the opposite sex. So is it shocking 
that he's going to promote any of this? Absolutely not. It's, it's to use a word, discretion. And, uh, and anyway, so I think we're going to be uh, we're going to be coming up on a break uh, pretty soon here at the Barrett Brief with Rick Barrett on the uh, Crusade Channel. We are Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we're going to stay on this story for just a little bit because we want to talk about somebody who's actually speaking the truth, who holds a political office and who also is a paisan. So uh, so we'll be back uh, after the break with that. station standing coming to you from the republic of texas i am your humble host captain middle america himself rick barrett bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that'll follow 844-527-8723 crusadechannel.com forward slash chat without further ado let me uh throw it back up to new jersey with our special guests from the front lines mr joe and joe here you go gentlemen Thanks again, Rick, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, joined as always by Joe Resinello. We're way into the breach. We're way, way, way into the breach, so join us, your brothers and sisters. So uh, we think we have a caller. We have uh, Cindy from Florida. Uh, you're next up here on the Crusade Channel at 844-527-8723. Cindy, what's your question? How you doing, Joe and Joe? So I grew up in uh, South Jersey in Monmouth County. Oh. In Spring Lake, I went to an all-girls Catholic school called Star of the Sea Academy, which was in Long Branch, and it actually closed my junior year because um, uh, they had no money. <laughs> but uh-huh. it was a great school, and we loved it. Yeah. And uh, so uh, my question is, what what has happened to New Jersey? I've been here 30 years in Stewart, Florida. I still have family up there, but we were the only ones that escaped North Jersey, and I grew up basically in Titton Falls, lived in Spring Lake with my husband, um, and then moved to Florida. So, I mean, the, the taxes, Monmouth County used to be a Republican county. So did, uh, I guess, was it Essex County or Sussex was always Republican? I mean, mm-hmm. we have just gone down that road, and Murphy, by the way, who grew up in who lived in Rumson, I know some of those people. They are so wackadoodle liberal. It's ridiculous. I mean, they, they're just so out of touch with what what was going on, even in the county back when I grew up, when I was down there, when I was there. And that's when Geraldo Rivera, by the way, owned the Red Bank Register, and he lived in Navasink with one of his wives. He bought the, the Red Bank Register, the newspaper, which I don't know if he still owns, but whatever. 
Um, but it's all gone to the dogs, and I don't understand the people. My family, my, my husband's family has Woodward Rosemobile, which is now Woodward Chevrolet, and um, they, my nephews own that, and they just, I mean, they're paying $22,000 a year in taxes in a house in Woodbridge. I mean, right. what's, what's happened to that state? Well, there, um, there, 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 there's, a, there's a number of things, and, and listen, the degeneration of our beloved state uh, we could go on for weeks, and obviously we don't have that. Joe wanted to address that. Yeah, I wanted to say, Cindy, before we even start, you call it pork roll, am I correct? It's not Taylor Ham. That's the big debate of New Jersey. Before we even answer the question of what happened to New Jersey, I well, figured that. Well, I figured minute. you knew what I was talking about to to basically uh, educate our friends. Do you well, get that in part is my question. We don't have it. We have Taylor Ham here, but let me tell you about pork roll. Roll egg and cheese at Sidorov in South Belmar used to be a little place on the ocean. The same family, and of course, you know, what did they do? They tore it down and built some ugly house. And we used to go up there. I was wheeled in my baby carriage, and then I wheeled my cousin uh, in a baby carriage. And then when my husband and I lived in Spring Lake, we would go there every morning in the summer. They still had the same old-fashioned cash register. So down here, they call it pork roll. If you come to Stewart... You go to Carson's. Carson's is my family tavern. My, that's an Irish tavern. He is from Tom's River, and he served Taylor ham and egg on a hard roll. The beautiful thing. I call it Taylor ham as well. It's definitely not pork roll. And any viewer who's uh, hearing us right now or seeing us, depending, please look up the great debate of New Jersey. It is the Mason Dixon line <laughs> of the state of New Jersey. So let's. Um, Can you show me a pizza? Can you send me a pizza? Because we're uh, a good pizza here is a really bad pizza in New Jersey. Uh, uh, Cindy, I, I, not to pat myself on the back or be braggadocious in any way. Um, I make the greatest pizza <laughs> in the world. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get you one of my pizzas. Um, but oh, let's, let's, talk, uh, let's address your question for a second, because like I said, there, there's a lot of different factors in, in, regards to, um, in regards to our state. But it's not unlike many states. If you look when Chris Christie, uh, we're not big fans of Chris Christie, or at least I was in the beginning, and we soured on him after a while. But if you look at the map of New Jersey, the, the county map, and you did it red and blue the same way they do during the presidential elections. The whole middle of the state is red. Okay, the whole middle of the state is red. And it was all those counties uh, and a lot of the swing counties that went for Christie. What you have is you have a state that's basically being controlled in the, in the northeast corner by Essex, Hudson, and Union County. Okay, and to a degree, Bergen County. Um, Camden County, which includes obviously Camden and Trenton, and Atlantic County uh, down near Atlantic City. One, not not the only one. One of the major problems is New Jersey is a prime example of what Barack Obama referred to as the coalition, putting together a coalition of power. And in the state of New Jersey, he's, that would be directly speaking to public sector unions. Joe and I talk about it on our show all the time. This is the problem in New York. This is the problem in New Jersey. When you're talking about the thousands and thousands of thousands, and we're not judging them, we're not beating them up in any way, but when you're talking about cops, firemen, teachers, uh, public sector union workers, they're voting for their contract and everything else be damned. So you, that's how you get a Governor Murphy and a Democrat state legislature, because the union people are voting for their contract 
to the expense of everything else that they probably would agree with us on. Joe's going to talk in a minute about the mayor, uh, one of the mayors down there, down the shore, down by your neck of the woods, um, that's standing up against this whole, uh, what Joe and I call the non-heterosexual movement or what they call the LGBT movement. Uh, but it all has to do with the fact that good people are voting with their pocketbooks. They're voting for the, you know, the people who are going to keep their union contracts in place and all and the and all the attendant features of those contracts, like free health care, um, uh, uh, pension, um, you know, the the whole nine yards. That is one of the big problems. Like I said, not the only problem, but that is how you get good firemen, cops, teachers in New York to vote for Mayor de Blasio or Andrew Cuomo. It's the same thing in New Jersey. And the shame of it is, um, I know New Jersey, New Jersey, when we were kids, Joe and I grew up, I don't know when you grew up, Cindy, Joe and I grew up in the 1970s. Okay. Jersey had one of the fastest, Jersey had one of the fastest growing economies in the United States. You know who got jealous of that? The liberals in New York and the liberals in New York obviously made a deal with the with with those liberals in New Jersey, uh, where Jersey started to mirror everything New York, did, because people were escaping New York to come to New Jersey. And then but, and then New Jersey became exactly like New York. Well, Florida is becoming now New York and New Jersey because and I will tell you that Martin County right now, we we are now turned purple. We have always been red. We always have been red. I've been involved in politics here now for, you know, almost 28 years. And I can tell you now it is because of the fleas. They're fleeing from Connecticut, from New Jersey, from New York. And the unfortunate part about that is, is they're bringing their politics with them. And you know what? They are retirees, probably public sector workers um, that still vote that way. I mean, you, you came down here because you wanted to pay low taxes and all of that, and you're bringing your crap with us now. And this is right. happening That's- all over Florida. And, 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 and one of the things, too, and this, this speaks to a lot of what we talk about on the show, like you said, they, a lot of this, I, I mean, put it like this. They, 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 like you said, it's like I don't think people think through things. You, you, you just hit the nail on the head, Cindy. They, they leave New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. I want, I'm paying too much in taxes. And you go to Florida and you vote for the Democrats that are going to raise your taxes. And Cindy, Do people think? Well, I, I think, I think it's well, also, well, Cindy. We, I'm sorry, please, go on. Yeah, we, no, no, just one more thing. Um, I, I used to speak in front of the county commission and my town commissioner here. And I always say, because I also ran the Tea Party here, is that what we should do is a dot-to-dot book. This is how dumb these people are. I mean, I literally would have to go up there and say to them, well, where are you getting the grant money from? Well, where does it come from? It comes from the federal government. It comes from us. You know, they just, just even the people. I mean, it's almost like you have to do a child dot to dot to show them, you know, how all this works. And you know something? Texas, you're you're getting California people. And we're now getting New York, New, Jer- uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, all of them coming down here. But we are also getting... The flea from South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Broward County, according to the Wall Street Journal, they're fleeing down there and they're going to Jupiter. I'll just tell you one thing. Do not go to Jupiter, uh, the fastest growing town. It's going to be run by a bunch of people from New York and New Jersey, and their taxes are already going up. And that's one county away from me. That's Palm Beach County. So we're just... You said something something interesting. You said basically how taxes are out of control and how is it uh, a home paying $22,000 a year in taxes. Basically, the pensions are out of control. 
the pay the pensions are out of control. And basically, I'll just give you a friend of mine is a teacher in Hudson County. He's going to after 30 years, he gets fifty five hundred dollars a year. So the day he dies a month and great Cadillac benefits. That's a three million dollar pension if he lives to eighty five to be a teacher. I love teachers. They deserve to get a pension that's out of control. But also with regard to why people vote that way, I think people were raised Irish people, Italian people, Polish people. Their parents came over. The Democratic Party has changed. They just pulled the lever because it's like my grandfather who was an Italian. He worked in the factories in North. My grandfather was Irish, came from Ireland. He worked on the path train. We were Democrats. We're still Democrats. Well, I got news for you. We're not the same party. That party is the party of death. We know it. It's also the party of fiscal irresponsibility. You just illustrated it because it's the truth. Where do you, where, are you on the radio in up north, or how did you, I, I'm so excited that you came on uh, Veritas, because um, it, it's really a fabulous uh, radio station. But you, do you broadcast on YouTube, or where do you well, come from? Uh, and you, thank where you, are you? Thank you so much, Cindy, for asking the question. Um, okay. and, and this, and, and this, this goes to show we're two Catholic men. We trust in, we trust in divine providence. Okay. <laughs> And we started about we started about six months ago with Joe and me in his basement talking into a computer on Facebook Live with that same teacher friend of his and my wife, the only two people watching us. And six months later, here we are. And, and Mike Church, um, you know, after hounding him for a while um, and Rick Barrett, uh, you know, they agreed to let us come on. We what we do is we we hope to continue further with the Crusade Channel. Um, and develop a relationship. What we primarily do right now is we go live on Facebook, um, eight o'clock every Sunday night, sharp. We have a live stream uh, where people could comment in and ask questions and things like that, where we're doing pretty much what we're doing right now. We're having a conversation at the front line. Uh, so it's facebook.com, the front line with Joe and Joe. Anybody, yourself, Cindy, anybody listening could go and follow us there and then you'll obviously be, be given a heads up whenever we broadcast. But that's pretty much what we're doing right now. And we're also uh, being produced uh, by another gentleman at Holy Faith Media out of Toronto, Canada. That's on YouTube. Uh, that'll be the pre-recorded video will be put on YouTube. But you could comment in and follow us at uh, The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Okay. Are you, on, are you on Twitter also? We're not on Twitter yet. Okay. Sounds good. Right. Thank you so much. Cindy, thank you so much. God bless you, and uh, and keep fighting good good fight. So we want to, uh, but Joe wanted to pick up on what we were talking about uh, about one of the public officials in this godforsaken state of New Jersey who's actually taken a little bit of a stand against Mr. D. Giovanna, the LGBT gay straight alliance in the public schools. So Joe, talk a little bit about that. Alfonso Cerulli. What a good name. What a good He's name. a real paisan, Alfonso Cerulli. You, you know, not for nothing, I had an uncle, Alfonso. We used to call him Uncle Funzi. He Funzi. was from North. Yeah. He bowled till he was like 95. Funzi's battleship was, was torpedoed. He jumped into the ocean. That I was love, his claim to I don't fame. know Funzi, but I love I him. I love them too, actually. Well, talk about this, good. Funzi. But we're going to talk about our Alfonso here. It's Cerulli, and he's from Barnegat Township. He's from southern New Jersey. And he is the mayor and he's holding firm against the, neg the negative reactions to his forceful denunciation of state law manda mandating LGBT history to be taught in the public schools. This is a law that was just recently passed by our governor, Phil Murphy. 
let me just give you a couple of his quotes with regard to uh, this particular story that has come up recently. Mr. Cerulli stated, the LGBT agenda is an affront to Almighty God. Now is the time for righteous people to stand up for their rights. He goes on. The government has no right to teach our kids morality. We have crossed the line into absurdity. Mr. Cerulli still goes on. I am not a bigot. I love people. This is going to hurt people. I am worried about the kids. You're taking young kids and you're starting to tell them if you want to be a girl, you could be a girl. If you want to be a guy, you can be a guy. We're giving them an identity crisis. That's right. We are. See, he used the correct words. You have to listen to the words that people say. We are giving them an identity crisis where there is no crisis of identity. And you know what they use as an excuse? What did we talk about a couple weeks ago, the the case in Texas? Rick, I'm sure you're very familiar and your listeners are very familiar with that case. uh, James uh, James DeLuna. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. James DeLuna. What did this kid do? His mom takes him to McDonald's and he plays with one of the toys that girls plays with. And from three years old, the so-called mother is convincing this young boy, James, that, that he's a girl. Yeah. What did uh, what did Alfonso Cerulli say? Look at the words. We have crossed the line into absurdity. Now I happen to be looking down. It just it's, this is just to piggyback a little bit, but let's talk about that absurdity that our paisan Alfonso Cerulli, the mayor of Barnegat, New Jersey, is pointing out. This just came over, or this was on um, not just came over, but this was on LifeSite News. Okay, just to show you as another example of the insanity that's going on with this non-heterosexual so-called LGBT movement, that during the recent LGBTQ Democrat presidential town hall hosted by CNN, that Pete Buttigieg, okay, wants to do away with laws which criminalize HIV transmission via non-disclosure to sexual partners. Yeah, that's from California. That was, uh, that's a law actually in California right now. Uh, that Le Buttigieg is uh, piggybacking on. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all about that type of normalization of degeneracy, as well, you guys well, are stating. That's exactly right. Is that, that if you use words like degeneracy, if you word, use words like perverted, if you use even the word insane to describe all this, I don't think insane cuts it. I don't, I don't even know what sort of bizarro world we live in, okay, that, that, that Mayor Alfonso Cerulli by stating objective truth, okay, is going to be considered the bad guy because because he's pointing out the absurdity of, of having, let's say, the, these, these people t- indoctrinating these kids in the public schools. We point out all the time, Rick, and it's a good, um, it's a good thing for your listeners uh, and your audience to maybe go and read. Go Google, um, even though we, we're not big fans of Google, but it is the uh, search engine of choice right now. Um, go Google Dr. Paul McHugh. Uh, Johns Hopkins University and his study on this. All right. He's been peer reviewed 126 times. He's been doing this for over 25 years where he calls this a mental disorder. That gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. He's telling people as a doctor, as a as a man of science from Johns Hopkins, Hopkins, these people need help. We don't need to promote this. We don't need to promote this more importantly to young kids that who who uh, let's face it, the, the kids themselves are not confused. Just like Joe just pointed out that Mayor Cerulli said, we're bringing this confusion to these it's, kids. It's also important to note what McHugh said. One, I want to stress the fact that it is Johns Hopkins, the premier medical school of America. He is the chief psychiatrist 
in that school. That's number one. Number two, he said 70 to 80 percent of young children who have this inclination to some type of uh, transition into the opposite sex lose that inclination. Right. They grow out of it. Correct. And this is getting back to Cerulli. This is you don't have to be a religious man to, to say what he said. Right. You have to be a courageous man. This is a man who's speaking his mind. Why? Because it's the truth. People refuse to state the obvious because they're afraid. How does a man, a principal, stare at a young boy, say the age of 11, and try to convince that child that he should transition into the opposite sex? How does that man go home and kiss his wife? Dr. McHugh calls that child abuse. It is child abuse. And 20 years ago, you would be put in jail. Right. 20 years ago, I graduated high school in 1988. You would be put in jail. Right. How does that happen? It happens because because what did we say, Rick? What did we say? What is what uh, the intro? We've been listening to intros and outros talking about talking about the truth, the truth, the truth. That's all I've been hearing about is the truth. Uh, our priest friend who encouraged Joe and I to do this to begin with said, you guys got to get out there and preach the truth. The best thing to do is speak the truth. The consequences be damned. But but children's lives are at stake. Their futures are at stake. We'll come back, Rick, after the break. I know we're coming up on a break. Talk yep. about some of these the consequences of, of, that's, of promoting this in children. That's right. Joe and Joe are just getting started, folks. Stick around. We'll be right back after a few minutes here on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade Channel. 844-527-8723. CrusadeChannel.com. The last live radio station standing. The Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, coming to you from the Republic of Texas. I am your humble host, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Barrett, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that'll follow. The phone number, if you want to call in, is 844-527-8723, or you can jump into our free chat room, the Crusader Stadium. It's the trenches today. And I'll let you know why in a moment at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. It's the trenches because we are on the front line right now. And to really get a hold of that, let's go up to New Jersey to the front lines with Joe and Joe. Thanks again, Rick. And welcome, everybody, back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo joined, as always, by Joe Resinello. And we are way into the breach. We're storming the machine gun nest today. I like we're, so. we're, 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 we're going to be taking bullets after this one. Um, but we know that we have a uh, we have a caller on the line. So we have uh, a-, a Ron in Illinois joining us here on the Crusade Channel at eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. A A Ron, excuse me. Welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. What's your question, brother? Hey guys, how you doing today? Um, right, I was good. wanting to get back to the uh, your question on the GSA alliance, the you know the gay straight alliance that you see in all the schools and stuff. Right. Um, knowing that that stuff is already in the schools, is it proper for Catholics to go in there and actually propose the other side and actually try to help some of these kids that, that get caught up in this nonsense? 
because you know, like I said, my my wife actually works in the schools, and she does she goes in and does some of that stuff because the, the parents certainly aren't doing it, you know, giving them the the, the correct side. So uh, you know, all, all we ever hear about is these clubs, which I think are intrinsically evil, but they are there. So isn't that where we should go to to fight back directly? The pro- the problem is Iran is that. What we're dealing with, and this is this is something that Joe and I have talked about, thought about, um, just taking this, you know, the, the godforsaken state of New Jersey for a second as an example. It is incredibly difficult. Incre- the barriers that are put up to change what's going on in the public schools are are not insurmountable, but the barriers are big. Now, as a, a hopeful note, um, about a month ago, Joe and I reported on our show at the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, that about, I think it was like, it was, it was a few, it was a, several thousand New Jersey parents showed up down in Trenton, Trenton's our state capital, to protest this, this what we call non-heterosexual movement in the public schools. They, mm-hmm. they were valiant, they were courageous, they spoke the truth, but at the end of the day, what it's going to require is sacrifice. We spoke with Cindy in the last segment about one of the problems with New Jersey is the fact that New Jersey is doling out tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to public sector unions, basically buying people's votes. And when they do that, Aaron, when they do that, okay, they're basically people are, be, are, are complicit in all this because they're voting for their contract rather than voting for what's in the best interest of their children. That's how all this stuff gets into the schools. It's by design and why it's very, very difficult because there's a lots and lots of money involved. It's very difficult to, to convince people that they have to vote against what they perceive to be is their financial best interest by voting for Democrats. Now, once in a oh, while, the left goes too far, and you wind up with a Chris Christie in a state like New Jersey. But as history tells us, that didn't do us much good either, having somebody like Chris Christie. So it's, it, it is, I hate, to not, I hate to be one of those people that doesn't have an answer, A.A. Ron, but the fact is that the, the problems really ha- in, in the state of New Jersey and why this is allowed usually have to come usually come down to money, the money well, flow. Well, I, I, I guess I guess I would say that you know it's the same exact thing here in Illinois, including you know the governor mandating now that it all gets to be taught in school. There was never a vote of the people or anything else. And then on top of it, um, I, I guess what I'm really trying to say is if if a Catholic can help that one person. You know, we're not going to change the whole system with one person in a school, but you might might save that kid. You right. know what I mean? And that that's how I'm looking at it is that one soul at a time. I you think know, you're right. Joe, Joe could address that. And, and Aaron, I think an important thing to note is we can do something and men have to do something. We have to make our voice known. A friend of mine in New Jersey, there was a basically they were going to have a bathroom, a co-ed bathroom. He went to the uh, the teachers association and he spoke. He lost, but he spoke. We have to make our voice known. And that takes courage. And that is not easy. Another good example that happened in New Jersey is the acidic Jewish community in Lakehurst, New Jersey, Lakewood, 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 New Jersey. They also protested this in force. And I put that challenge out to all Catholics who are listening. Where are we? I tip my hat to those gentlemen. 
And that is what we have to do. And another thing we have to do, which we can do, is we do not vote for these people. And we make it known. When I'm at the train station in Hoboken going into New York City and someone comes to me and says, who are you going to vote for? And what I do, I ask them straight out right into their face. Are you for abortion? They say, oh, well, I'm not personally. And then I look right into their eyes and I say, I'm not voting for you. That's what we have to do. You're right. Men have to stand up and we have to pray. All the strength comes from God. We need to do it and we can do it. Uh, and Aaron, I just wanted to piggyback off that just to address one other thing that was part of your question. Joe and I talk all the time about getting into the breach. It's not a joke. We're in the breach. This is a culture war. It's exactly what it is. And we talk about the need. I think this might more directly answer your question about what we could do on more of an individual level when it comes to the students that are that might feel uh, that they that feel comfortable in those, let's say, in this case, gay straight alliance. One of the things Joe and I always say is we have to clean up our own house. And why I mention that is we could teach our children what we believe, what they're supposed to believe as Catholics, okay, um, and what we should be doing and to dispel, dispel what the le- how the left is always trying to characterize us, to teach our children to be loving and kind to all people, okay? Uh, that's how we could get to those who, because let's face it, a child going into the gay-straight alliance in a public school is going to be taught that we're all a bunch of animals and we, we just want, we want to kill them all. Um, you know, maybe that maybe it doesn't come. You know, get get that. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure it's not Catholic starting these groups. You, <laughs> you, you know, um, right? But I mean, this but, stuff. But, is, but as Catholic men and as Catholic parents, we could teach our children. In other words, there is a way. Not everybody has to be as bombastic as Joe and Joe. There is a way, speaking the truth in a loving and kind way. Okay, uh, to reach out to those who might, let's say, a little older, might feel uh, confused about, let's say, their sexual identity and reaching out to them in that way. And also and also uh, by by trying to reach to those younger people, by letting them know what you're being told is a bunch of lies. That's one of the big things is not to just say the truth, but then help others to see that what's coming from the other side are lies and be prepared to explain how they're being lied to. Because let's face it. The young, young people who might who are young, they might feel sexually confused or whatever the case might be. They are being lied to. And Aaron, another a, a pointer which I would like to impart and I believe in wholeheartedly as Catholics, we have to pray the rosary with our children. We have to pray the rosary and trust in our lady. Yeah, I prayed right before I came on the show today. Nine memoraries. And as I was staring at the statue of the Blessed Mother, I saw she was standing upon the serpent's head. We need to pray the rosary with our children and trust that Our Lady will protect them. Trust that she will reshape our families and trust that she will reshape this nation. That is something that takes 15 minutes. And that is something as Catholic men we can do. And it's very important that we do it. And that is something I think that will help our children and strengthen us to do what we are called to do. And we can do that. America used to do that. They used to have that on the radio. Patrick Payton. What was his, what was his spiel, Joe? The family, the family that prays together, together stays, stays together. together. I love it. Yep. So, right, hey, guys, well, thank you for the call, brother. Thank you. God bless. God bless you.
So, uh, so yeah, so so it, it's good that we're we're we're. Are we leaving the great state of New Jersey? I think we, we say, probably should. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's leave New Jersey. I think we, um, you know, we 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 don't want to uh, hammer home on the Garden State. But I okay, we haven't gone here in a while. Let's let's go to Kentucky. <laughs> I love it, baby. Kentucky's good stuff. Let's it's go not, to Kentucky. Kentucky's good stuff. Now, now this one this one's going to be this one's going to be a, a one where we raise our fists in the air and go. Yes. <laughs> when Joe introduces it, you'll understand uh, what I'm talking about here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello in the breach on the Barrett brief on the Crusade Channel. As Joe said, we're going to go to Kentucky. If I could have a mint julep right now, I would happily have one. Uh, a federal uh, district court judge in Kentucky who originally tossed out the Nick Salmon and the Covington Catholic teen defamation lawsuit against The Washington Post has reconsidered it. Just to give a little background, in case people don't know who Nick Salmon and the Covington Catholic teens are, in January, there's a March for Life every year in Washington, D.C. This Catholic high school went down. Nick Salmon was a part of it. There was sort of a little melee after the March for Life. Um, basically, what happened, you had some radical African-American group who was getting in the kid's face. I think they're the original Israelites well, there you or something go, there like you that. Go. They're, in, New, they're yeah. in Newark, New Jersey, too. They look a little bit like Darth Vader with their shoulder pads. They're yeah. a scary group, to be honest yeah. with you. Those I've dudes seen are scary. Them. They're a scary crew. Anyway, you had that. Then you had sort of this American Indian gentleman who was banging on a drum. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You realize you said American Indian? Can you do that? If you were in New York right now, <laughs> de Blasio would find you up to Gentlemen, two. gentlemen, I have to intervene. It is proper term is Elizabeth Warren. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren. So he was in a, he was of the same race as Senator Elizabeth Warren. Well, but, well, but, oh, and by the way, Rick, for your audience to, to know, we covered this a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I'm not kidding. Uh, there are certain phrases that you cannot use in New York City now, okay, under Commissar de Blasio, who's the mayor, Commissar, mayor, um, and you could be fined up to $250,000. So, so your viewers know, I was, uh, your listeners, I was not joking. Uh, but okay. go ahead, get on with uh, Elizabeth Warren, um, uh, so whatever his name is. Well, basically what we had, these, this, this gentleman, Nick Salmon, he's a high school kid, was basically staring at this, this uh, American Indian gentleman and the Post basically said that he was a smirking racist. Right. And and standing in this is very important in standing in this gentleman's way, I think obstructing his way. I think that was part of the reversal of the judge uh, where it was shown that, you know, Nick Salmon was not that this guy came walking into the group. Nick Salmon was not standing in his way because he wanted to go and beat his drum. All right. His his American Indian Elizabeth Warren drum in front of the Lincoln Memorial. OK. Uh, and Nick Salmon was a, a white racist wearing a MAGA hat, smirking at him uh, and standing in his way. So anyway, can, I'm sorry. Joe, no, no, no worries. So basically what happened was the Salmon family sued the Post and other media outlets for defamation because they called him a smirking racist. Obviously, um, after the original uh, coverage of this, all the media outlets had to basically eat crow and retract. So what does the Salmon family do? They sue. As I said, one thing they did do, and this is something that I'm going to recommend to any person who is in such a situation. They got a real lawyer. His name is Lynn Wood, and he's a shark. That guy's vicious, man. And this is who you got to get. Because the gloves are off and you have to fight. And that's what this man did. Mr. Salmon, he gets it. He's taken him to the mat. 
for $250 million. And this is the point of this story. When you are challenged under the law of this land, and the law is there to protect us, the First Amendment, you have to beat them in the courts. And here's the deal. You have to take their money. That's right. You take their money. You want to challenge my religious liberty? Well, guess what? I'm taking you to court. And guess what? I'm taking your money. Let me tell you something, Joe. They're going, Lynn Wood is going to win this case. Love this, it. This judge originally ruled that the case couldn't move forward. They presented new evidence, okay? Um, and the judge reconsidered on three main points. And the main one was the idea that he was standing in the way. They reported he was standing in the way. That's the lie that they tried to, that they tried to promote, that Nick Salmon was standing in their way. I said before, Rick, I'll tell you guys, uh, and we said it before on our show, I hope Nick Salmon never has to work a day again for the rest of his life. I hope now. Not, and now remember, this is not only the Washington Post for two hundred and fifty million dollars. I believe they're also suing CNN. Good. For, and if you want to see Joe and Joe, I am a I am an overweight fifty two year old man. Okay, from New Jersey, I will try like heck to do cartwheels down the street if I see Jeff Zucker and Jeff Bezos have to pay two hundred and fifty million dollars each. To Nick Salmon, the only cherry on top of that Sunday for me is that is that woman Kathy Griffin. Is that her name? The yeah, D, yeah, yeah. D actress, the D list actress. If she's got to pay some money too, because they all jumped on this kid, and you know what he was at the end of the day? He was a high school kid. He was a kid. You went to QP. Scared, probably. You, you, exactly right. You went to QP. I went to Seton Hall Prep, uh, Catholic schools. These kids were standing there waiting for the bus after the March for Life, and this kid didn't know what hit him. He did the only thing he knew to do, just stand there. He didn't insult the guy. He never got – this guy, what's his name, Nathan Phillips, okay? Mr. I was a Vietnam vet and then had to backtrack on that. He was never in Vietnam. He goes, well, I'm a, I'm a veteran of the Vietnam era. Okay, okay, you didn't fight in Vietnam. You're not a Vietnam veteran. He went right up to this kid's face. He went up to this kid's face and in his face to beat his drum because he was wearing a MAGA hat. That's exactly what it was. And the fact that the media uh, piled on, and yes, particularly because it, for, for us and why I'm particularly outraged, these are Roman Catholic young men, okay, which bothered me even more because that would have fit completely into the left's narrative. Well, you know what? Nick Salmon, his father, Linwood, and what's the other lawyer's name? McCurtry, Todd McCurtry, I think his name was. They are, they are saying... They are, they are taking them, they will take them to the cleaners. Like I said, Bezos and Zucker. When they have to pay, when that verdict comes down, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to do cartwheels down the street. And we covered a story uh, similar to this a few months ago on our show. This was in Oberlin College where three African-American young men were in like a high-end bakery. And basically, they were stealing. Yeah. And what happened was, I believe they went to Oberlin College. It's a very liberal expensive college in Ohio, basically the administration didn't believe that they were stealing and tried to crucify the bakery. So guess what? The bakery took them to the mat for 33 million bucks. That's right. And that's how you, that's how do, you do it. it. That's how you do it. You want to fight? The gloves are off. That's right. We're going to the mat right. and we're taking your money. That's right. Because that's the best way 
In other words, in the, while they, we talked earlier with, with Cindy, in other words, how they take our money, they keep taking our money, they take it in the form of taxes, they take it in the form of usurious compound interest, all the oligarchs that seek to, seek to control our lives. They're all, they only have this power because we allow them um, to take our money or we give them our money by, by you know, um, let's say being customers of theirs, whether it's the big banks um, or Gillette. I mentioned recently, I, I recently broke my, my Gillette razor. I threw it in the garbage and I have a, I get new razors now because they wanted to attack masculinity. That's one of the, that, that is the central way we could do it is start taking their money. And to a larger point, one of the things we have to do is we have to do something and impress upon our politicians that you we, lying doesn't seem to be a problem anymore in our public discourse. You can lie about somebody and it seems like you could just get away with it. That's why we're highlighting the Nick Sandman story and going to Kentucky for this, because we're starting to wake up that, you know what? We've accepted the lies that people tell about other people in, in public discourse all the time. People have to start filing lawsuits. You have to start file. I want, you know what I want to see next? And Rick, I think you might agree with me on this. Uh, agree with us on this. The next lawsuit I want to see filed is against two entities: the the, the Anti Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Who are you? Who made you the arbiter of hate? What's hate and what's not hate? To say what's hate speech and what's not hate speech? That you compile lists that you make public that you try to defame and libel people in uh, that are out there in the public on YouTube, on Facebook. Guys, like I told you, Rick, just so you know, Joe and I have said, we know we've made it when we make the hate list of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yes, we, that's we, pretty we much want, it. We want people to start filing lawsuits against the ADL and against the Southern Poverty Law Center, basically saying on a legal basis, you cannot do this. You can't defame somebody simply because you disagree with them on a particular political issue or cultural issue or moral issue like abortion or gay marriage or any of this, the, the so-called LGBT agenda. That's what they do. When you speak like guys like us, when you speak like Rick Barrett, when you speak like Mike Church, when you speak like E. Michael Jones, when you speak like anybody out there who's trying to speak the truth and, and shed light in this darkness, you're a hater. You want to know what? That's why Nick Salmon in this lawsuit is so important. That's why they have to win this verdict, because that's going to send a warning to everybody else. You can't just say whatever it is you want to say about somebody and think you're going to get away with it. Especially when it's a lie. Right. Well, that's my point. Especially when it can be shown in a court of law. You lied about that person. And in this particular case, they lied. Jeff Bezos and his people and Jeff Zucker and his people, they lied about this kid. They lied about this young man. You know what? Lynn Wood is going to make them pay right through the nose. Love and it. We love it. Love we it. love it at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade Channel. And we are deep, deep, deep into the breach today. Well, we're going to go to the great state of Alabama next. Got to love it. Got to love Alabama. The U.S. District Judge Myron Thompson blocks an Alabama law virtually banning abortion. Just to give a little background, in May, Alabama, the governor, Kay Ivey, Ivey signed the Alabama Human Life Protection Act. Basically, in a nutshell, without getting into the legalese, it criminalizes abortion for any reason other than to avert the mother's death or avert serious risk of substantial physical impairment of a major bodily function. Okay, so the judge bans this. Why does she put a block on this particular law that was signed in May? Because the ACLU, I know these are your buddies, Joe. Yeah, man, so my best friends. Basically made a stink and a temporary block. Here's the good news. The Attorney General of Alabama, 
Steve Marshall has already said that he's going to take this to the Supreme Court. Why do we bring this up? Because it matters that Donald Trump gets elected because it matters who's on the Supreme Court. Right. And whether it's this case or another one, it's eventually getting to go. It's going to go to the court and we have to stack the deck. That's right. That's right. Just well, just like they do. See, they just hate when they're when, when, when public opinion is not going their way. They hated the fact this is why. Uh, just so Rick. Uh, just so you're, you're, you guys and and um and your listeners know, that is one thing that Joe and I hammer home all the time. We are not Trump idolaters. Our savior is Jesus Christ. But as Father Imbarato said when we interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and our view is this: I, we take everything that Trump has done, even the things we agree with and the things we don't agree with. It all goes in the garbage. The reason to vote for Donald Trump is for the judges. Now, in 2016, was I skeptical? Was Joe skeptical? The answer to that was yes. And I will tell you the reason why, just, just to give you a little bit of backdrop on it, background on it. He held up a list and he said that he was going to nominate people to the court like the ones on the list. Now, our opinion, we can't prove this, is that somebody grabbed him, whether it was Ralph Reed or whether it was one of these other conservatives, pro-life conservatives, in other words, somebody grabbed him and said, listen, uh, Mr. Trump, you're going to have to say you're going to nominate people from that list. Donald Trump sub subsequently did that, which I tell you, I still was a little skeptical, but he said that he would do that. OK, and guess what? He's been true to his word. As of our time of reporting it, it was about a month and a half ago. We did a segment on the show. Donald Trump had 150 judges in the federal judiciary, the federal circuit court, and obviously the Supreme Court that had been that had been um, confirmed by the Senate. So Mitch McConnell is holding the line on judges too. There is no reason to to believe that Donald Trump is going to moderate on that after he gets elected. And our view, Joe, and the view of Joe and myself, is that that is Donald Trump's big sin. That this is all impeachment, Russia. All of it has to do with abortion. It's all about abortion for the left. It's all about sexual liberation, which is their form of political control. Abortion is central to political uh, is, is central to central, uh, central to sexual liberation. And that was Trump's sin. When he said he would nominate people from that list, that is when they set their sights on him. We have to take this guy down no matter what, by hook or by crook, because they can't stand, as we always say, the Constitution. And the fact is that the tide is turning in this country. They've had 50 years or 46 years of, of Roe versus Wade, and that may very well get overturned. And they're not always going to get their way. So what do they have to do? They know they're not going to win the election. You know? anyway, All I right. Well, that's going to take us up to this break here, guys. Bye. Joe and Joe are rocking and rolling. We're going to be back in a little uh, here on the Crusade Channel, on the Bad Brief on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. 
Coming to you from the Republic of Texas, it's your humble host, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Barrett, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that will follow the number to be a part of this program, 844-527-8723, or you can jump into our free chat room, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, crusadechannel.com forward slash go if you'd like to listen to this station for 30 days for free. Just uh, just cost you a couple minutes of your time to sign up. Now, we are, uh, it's, a day after tol- it's a day after Halloween, and we do have a treat for you, and that is uh, our special guest from the front line, Mr. Joe and Joe. So we're going to go back up to the Garden State of New Jersey and uh, get back into the trench of the front lines. Gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Rick. I just wanted to make one more point about this Alabama story. And this is a shout out to all my brothers and sisters in Alabama. Don't you dare let the ACLU tell you what to do. Don't you dare let them push you around. I'm going to quote a little Mike Church for you. What say ye, Southern man? That's right. What say ye? You voted for this governor. She passed legislation into a law, Alabama Human Life Protection Act, which basically bans abortion. The people have spoken. Don't you dare let them tell you what to do. You encourage your attorney general, Stephen Marshall. You encourage him. You encourage each other and you fight them like dogs. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you you have to get into the trenches with these people. Um, And it's, you know. Everybody's got this. Everybody's got this. This fear, like on the left, these shrill, shrieking voices, like "Oh, Roe versus Wade is going to get overturned." Bottom line is, there won't be an abortion clinic in Alabama. Now, we don't agree with this. We want. We are abortion. One more time, everybody out there, we are abortion abolitionists. Okay. What did uh, Father Imperato say? Donald Trump has the opportunity to be a modern-day Wilberforce, okay, who, who spoke to the, of the, the British Parliament about the abolition of slavery in the late 18th century, okay? He has a chance to be that Wilberforce, but in the meantime, while, while he might be able to take action in, in the executive branch, as Father, Father Imperato pointed out, and for all your, uh, all your listeners, Rick, to know, uh, to Google the Personhood Proclamation, it's, it's really good. And if you watch our interview on our Facebook page, you can see the interview with Father Imperato where he talks about this. But you're exactly right. We have to fight. They fight us on all different fronts. That's why we jump around from Kentucky to Jersey to the schools to Hollywood. To the, we're all over the place because they're fighting us at every turn. We have to fight them at every turn. So while Father Imperato is proposing the personhood proclamation to the administration, Right to Kellyanne Conway. Okay, we still like you said. We have to support our our local representatives, our local governments, and tell the ACLU. Even dare I say, tell the federal government there will not be one abortion clinic in Alabama. There will not be one abortion clinic in the state of Louisiana. I think my church pointed out eleven states, eleven southern states have passed pro-life legislation. Some more more than others. Okay, in terms of how far they go, but nonetheless, and they've all been shot down by judges. One of the ways we fight the ACLU, okay, and we fight the power that they have or that they perceive that they have is to make sure that when they go up in front of a judge, it's no longer one of their comrades, as it's been for the last 80, 90, 100 years, that there's going to be a good conservative judge sitting in front of them that basically will tell the ACLU, you know what, I've heard your argument, you're full of crap. You're full of crap. That's a nonsensical argument. What do you think? I'm a judicial activist? No. I'm reading the Constitution and throw their cases out of court. 
I rule against them. And how do you do that? How do you get the good judges? We ask all your people out there, Rick. We we say this all the time on our show. You can't be bullied into not voting for Donald Trump if for no other reason he's going to give us the judges that at the very least, at the very least, as far as it goes, are going to give us some kind of a fighting chance when it comes to this onslaught. Okay, this evil that's coming with us from the left, not just on abortion, but also on the transgender ideology or the gender ideology, the the non-heterosexual so-called LGBT ideology, all of it. Okay, at least you'll have a judge that's able to say, well, you want to know what you might have freedom, Mr. LGBT person, whatever. But your your individual liberty is running up against somebody else's religious rights. Now, let's say to just give you an example. That's why it's important that we fight them by voting for good people locally. Okay, like in the case of, let's say, Alabama on the state level, on the municipal level, on the county level. But, yes, waking up in 2020 and going and voting for Donald Trump, no matter how much you don't like him. Father Imperato said the same thing. He goes, I don't like Trump that much. He's got a lot of flaws, but he's a one issue guy on this. In this case, we are one issue guys. Death and the culture of death has to be dealt a significant blow. And the way to do that is, A, to have Roe versus Wade overturned and then have to fight from there on a state level. And I'll take it another step. If you are Catholic, if you are Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, murder is a sin and abortion is murder. This party, this party is for third trimester abortions. We all know, all of us who have children, all of us who've looked at a sonogram, I have three children. I've been to parties where they have the sonogram on the refrigerator. Everyone's gawking at it. I've been in cubicles in work, people pinning up their sonogram. You're going to tell me you can kill that child? And you're going to tell me you're going to go to church and you're going to receive the Eucharist and vote? No way. Well, Joe Biden thinks he could. No way. You're right. You're right. And that's where we're at. Uh, and like you said, we're... Uh, we're supporting the state of Alabama and all those southern states and any state, for that matter, that's going to fight it, fight back against the culture of death, period, exclamation point. We're going to go to the great city of Chicago. This one's for you, A-Ron, because yeah, we love you. We absolutely love you. This week, our president spoke at the International Association of Police Chiefs. Um, guess who didn't show up? The chief of police. Chicago. <laughs> I took, I took, wait a minute. I just took a wild guess. He, he, he went to speak to the police chiefs, and the chief of police didn't show up. Eddie Johnson, his <laughs> names are important. He's the police chief of Chicago. This is, again, an international association of police chiefs. And this is what Mr. Trump had to say, because, of course, the Donald is not going to let Eddie uh, get away with this one. He says, here's a man that could not bother showing up for a meeting of police chiefs in his hometown. And with the president of the United States, no less. And you know why? It's because he's not doing his job. Let's talk a well, little bit well, about the stats. Well, go go through the see. See, the, the good thing is, like you know, uh, being working men, we understand we understand how you measure uh, a person's job performance. I get measured in my job. You get measured in your job. There's criteria. Let's talk about the criteria under which we're going to judge the job performance of police chief Eddie Johnson. So go ahead. Last year in Chicago, 565 people were murdered. Since Eddie Johnson has been the police chief, 1,500 people have been murdered. 1,500 people. In Chicago, get this one. Is this mic on? 13,067 people have been shot since he's been the mayor. Well, no, uh, the police chief. The police chief, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Also, keep this in mind. Despite the city's 
emphasis on gun control, the violence continues. So, of course, Donald Trump, who's from New York City, can't let that one go. He basically says, it doesn't seem your gun control arguments to be working, does it? It's so funny. It's so funny how when uh, when objective evidence, like real clear evidence that you could point to in the case of uh, in the case of, let's say, gun control, when the evidence shows that all these proposals you have, all these proposals that you're putting forth, the evidence shows they're not going to do a bit of good, nor have they. See, it's not like these are laws that haven't been tried. You're 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 illustrating this with this example of Chicago. OK, the laws have been tried. They have the most restrictive gun laws in the United States, in the city of Chicago. You just read the number. Over 13,000 people have been shot. That means their lives have been, those who survived having been shot um, and are not dead, uh, their lives have been changed. And this is supposed to be a place where, oh, you know, we have very strict gun, gun control. Well, the Eddie Johnsons of the world, all those people that call the NRA a, a, a domestic terrorist organization, and, and just so everybody out there knows, and Rick, so your listeners know, we're not big fans of the NRA. We're kind of neutral on the NRA. I, I'm not a member. Joe's not a member. We I don't can't stand them. What's that? I, I can't stand them. I've, I've gone on long, and I've gone on long soliloquies about how much I don't like the NRA. I think they're just a, another, they're a fundraising lobby organization of fear, and I'll leave it on that. No, no, <laughs> I'll no, get back to you guys. That, that's why I say, and, and, and you're being objective about it, brother. Um, I, the, um, the vilification um, of the NRA, well, leaving even, even aside the NRA, just people who say, I asked this question of all my liberal friends at work. One of my friends owns guns, and they, they brought it up. I, I don't bring up political conversations at work. Don't want to lose my job. Uh, but somebody asked, uh, talking about gun control and, and spouting the same liberal nonsense that we point out all the time at the front line with the Joe and Joe. And I was looking at it and I said, can you please, I pointed to my friend who owns guns, I said, can you please tell me how any of your proposals um, uh, that will take away this man's handguns are going to save the lives of those people in any of these mass shootings? Now, that's, I know something that's been talked about over and over again. It's a common argument. You know why it's a common argument? Because it's a common sense argument. What is taking away this guy's gun going to do to stop those that, 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 that evil person from walking into the Pulse nightclub and gunning down over 50 people or the synagogue or the guy in Las Vegas or here or there? What's what's taking well, away? And, you know? and also Americans have I, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I do not own a gun. Right. Um, but I will say this. Americans have always had guns. What has changed over 20 years? What I say by that is. We, the same amount of guns are here, yet these killings are going on constantly. Why? And I've said this for years. Speak the truth, brother. Speak the truth. We have thrown God out of the equation. Absolutely. We have thrown God out of the equation. I was overseas when that horrible shooting happened in, in Connecticut where those young children were slaughtered. I will never forget it. And I was basically a friend of mine had uh, got the news through his Blackberry and he basically said, you know, told me about it. And I said, this will continue. Right. Because we have thrown God out of the equation. What is right and what is wrong has become blurred. And as a result of that, we throw God out. The family breaks down. These kids are wounded. They are developing mental illness and they are lashing out. Right. There, this will continue. Sadly, you could take all the guns away. People will kill people with hammers. Right. People will kill people with bombs. People will kill people with cars. 
and have. Right, and have. This is not a gun issue. But if why? But, 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 well, why? Why is it that Joe Rasinello? Why? Uh, how would you respond to somebody? Because then the argument. Because it's first of all, the argument you just stated is correct. Underlying all our problems is the fact that we've shown God the door. Okay, we've said we don't want you here. Not us, but as a society, as a nation, or we've allowed for him to be shown the door. Well, we have to open that door back up, and it starts with us, guys like Mike Church, guys like Rick Barrett, guys like us speaking out there, say, God, please come back into our society. Don't listen to all those other people and come back. None of this is going to be straightened out. Okay, and they purposely threw out God. Remember something: when you throw out God, you have to become God. Okay, and even Nietzsche said that. All right, even Nietzsche understood that. Okay, we have killed God, who is going to be God. Well, we, we ourselves must be God now, and that's what you're seeing. Okay, and what is the new church? The new church is the state. Okay, um, and the party is God. They're going to tell you right and wrong. They're going to tell you uh, what's acceptable and not and what's not acceptable. They're going to set the moral boundaries. Because remember, they're gods now. Because they've effectively killed God in our public discourse, in our public schools, that we, we mentioned in, our, in one of our prior segments. Okay, They've taken God completely out of the equation. And when you turn around and you say, well, we want God back, okay, we're going to open the door and we want him back. We're going to welcome, we're going we're gonna to brush off the chair for him. Lord, please have a seat. They say, well, we don't want a theocracy in America. And it was you see how like their argument usually goes so that if you want a society that actually adheres to some sort of moral standard, OK, thou shall not kill babies in the womb comes to mind. All right. That would be a real good place to start. OK. When you say that you want to impose theocracy. No, what we want is a restoration of sanity, because that's what happens when you throw out God, you become insane. And these people have become insane. Just watch the news. Why are we here? Why are we at the front line? Why is there a crusade channel? Because we all recognize the need to evangelize the culture because the culture is taking God and they told them we don't want you here anymore. And, and then all these dead bodies. And then this is the, that, that Freudian projection that you and I talk about. They get all these dead bodies in a place like Chicago. Okay. And what do they do? Rather than take the blame themselves, what do they do? They blame you. They blame me. They blame this one. They blame that one. They point the finger and blame it on anybody else because they can't. They don't want to face the fact it's their ideas and the practical application of their policies that have led to this carnage. And it's a, it's the fruit of their policies. Right. You see, we are all free to make choices, but the consequences of our choices are not our choice. They're imposed upon us. That's right. This is the bad fruit of bad choices. And it will continue. Right. And it will continue. I always think of this when this happens. I'm not, I'm not going to I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know the quote exactly. But I think of Samuel in the Old Testament. The, the Jewish people did not have a king. Their king was God. They had judges that basically litigated issues between people. They did not need a king. They had God and basically they wanted a king and Samuel, who was a prophet, told them, he said, why do you want a king? We have God. The people continued. We need a king. So you know what Samuel says? He says he'll take your firstborn son and put him into the army. He will take 10 percent of your crops. He will take your daughter and make her be spinsters. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing. Right. If someone who knows the Bible a lot better than me, you probably can get it better. But my point of the matter is this is the, that was the consequence. Then this is the consequence 
now. Exactly. This but, is the consequence. The one thing, the one thing I've heard, um, I've heard uh, my church say it. I've heard uh, others like uh, Chris Ferrara. Okay, I've heard him say it and say it unapologetically, and we say it too. Unless this country, using America, we are Americans. Unless this country recognizes Christ as the King, in other words, Christ is the ultimate authority. Okay, we're we're, we're we are going to continue to be a mess. It's it's just that simple. Who did that? Poland. Well, they, they just did that. Well, God bless the Poles because I mean, this is the same country that did that that, that joined hands around the perimeter of the country to pray the Rosary. God bless those people. Amen. I saw that video online, by the way. Um, it was the priest. I forgot his name. It looked like a sea of people that he was speaking to, where they declared Christ the King of Poland. That makes the European Union's head explode. Good. That makes American liberals' heads explode. They don't want to do business with Poland. They, you know, see the way the, like like the way they're trying to accuse Trump now of of uh, uh, doing a quid pro quo. With um, with the Ukraine, Hillary Clinton said flat out she wanted to withhold financial aid from countries, foreign aid to countries that had did, did not have, in her words, liberal abortion laws that allowed abortion. She was speaking speaking then about specifically about the Philippines. Well, isn't that a quid pro quo? You won't get that two, three billion dollars, half a billion dollars, whatever it is, unless you allow abortion. Isn't it the same thing? Well, the poll the polls decided to do that. Hungary, all right, the president of Hungary, okay, um, he is enforcing sodomy laws uh, or trying to reestablish sodomy laws. It's something along those lines to 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 and 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 put the brakes on the 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 LG, so-called LGBT agenda in Hungary. There's people that are waking up. Is my point, all right? They're, but but underlying it all is the recognition. That's why you mentioned the polls. In this country, you have to declare Christ the King. You have to declare. Christ is the king, because then that's the only way you're going to be on that path. Look, nobody's looking to create heaven on earth. We don't believe in heaven on earth. It's never going to happen. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be imperfection because of because of personal sin. Nobody's suggesting it's going to be it's going to be heaven on earth. OK, but it could be a much better place than it is now. And also, we not only do we have to declare Christ the king because he is the king and this country was founded upon Judeo-Christian values. We have to pray the rosary. Archbishop Strickland, is he an archbishop or he's just a bishop? Well, I'm not sure, but go ahead. But Strickland in Texas, the great state of Texas, basically said, we need a Marian wave in America. Sure. Every person who's listening to my voice who is Catholic and is not praying the rosary, you are not in the fight. Got to get in the fight. You got to take that rosary and pray it every day. Padre Pio called the rosary his weapon. And let me tell you how that works. This happened in the 20th century in Brazil. A socialist was elected to be the president. 500,000 women took to the streets of Sao Paulo praying the rosary. And the man fled the country. It was a bloodless revolution. The power of the rosary. 500,000 women. Prayed the rosary. Now, what my question is to those, where were the men? Yeah. Where were they? We need a blue wave. You want to hear something funny about that? Like, you, 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 you'll, you'll get a chuckle out of this. But you're right. We, we, need, we need a wave. We need to, uh, particularly because that's one of the reasons why we do our show, uh, to just let Rick's audience know, is because uh, we were encouraged as Catholic men to be speaking to other men, not just Catholics, uh, but other men to strengthen them. I work. Uh, I was working one day and somebody got on the topic of religion and I happened to mention that because um, I felt it was appropriate at the point of the conversation that I pray the rosary. Right. 
uh, one of the girls I work with, who's uh, who's younger, twenty something, who's Catholic, who's Catholic by the way, um, she looked at me like I had ten heads. You pray the rosary, and I looked right at her. I said, hey, "Did you ever hear of the Battle of Lepanto?" She said, uh, 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 "Have you ever heard of the Battle of Lepanto?" And she says, no. And I very briefly described it to her. Of course, Rick's audience is going to know the Battle of Lepanto, where Catholic men fought against the Muslim invasion at the Battle of Lepanto and won. And an outnumbered force. We were severely outnumbered. What they did before they went into battle was they prayed the rosary. And I looked at this girl and I said, that's the Battle of Lepanto. I said, and you know why those men won? Because it was men that were praying the rosary. The rosary is not, but God bless the little old ladies in church. I don't mean to insult the little old ladies in church because we love you and we're probably going to be saved because of your prayers. But men have to pray the rosary. You're absolutely right. It's not just for the little old. When I was growing up, when you were growing up, before I ever knew how to pray the rosary, okay? Oh, the rosary, that's for the old ladies. Those are the only ones that do it. I never saw men praying the rosary. That's all in the circles we travel in now. All I see is men praying the rosary. When we go down to Planned Parenthood, I'm going down tomorrow morning with my wife, going to pray in front of Planned Parenthood, first Saturday procession. Half the group that's there are men, and God bless them. Some of them are younger men. I'm 52, so I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, but a lot of them are younger men that are showing up. But what are we doing? We're praying at the modern-day Lepanto. We're praying in front, of the, in front of Planned Parenthood. But we are praying the rosary. We are putting on the whole armor of God, as St. Paul says. Okay. In other words, by, by you know through prayer— Ultimately, this country will be changed by the hand of God, but we can help it along a little bit. God expects us to. He expects us to. So, uh, so yeah, so we, we went off on a little bit of a Catholic diatribe there. I mean, we are Catholic men, and we're always talking about the need uh, to evangelize our culture. Um, and that's exactly uh, one of the ways we're doing it, by promoting the, uh, the prayer of the rosary. So we're coming up on a break here. It's the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello being graciously hosted by the Barrett Brief, Rick Barrett, and by the, the Crusade Channel and Mike Church. We'll be back after the break where we pick up another uh, atrocity, probably going to Hollywood. That's right. We're still going strong here on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing with my special guests, Joe and Joe from the front line. We're going to be back in just a moment here, folks. You are listening to the Crusade Channel and the Barrett Brief, the last live radio station standing, 844-527-8723 if you want to be a part of the conversation or jump into crusadechannel.com forward slash chat if you'd like to get a 30-day free membership crusadechannel.com forward slash go you are listening to the bear brief here on the crusade channel the last live radio station standing Absolutely not. Why not? Because you're a baby boomer, and I am a millennial. Ah, well, Melanie, 
I, I am overqualified for this job. I don't know where you got this. We don't do paper applications. I made it. I don't do the internet. Okay. That is the third time you have said that this interview, and it also says so on this homemade job application. <laughs> there you go, champ. I don't know what this is for. Uh, don't you need a trophy anytime you... anything? <laughs> oh, it's on. How'd you get here? Horse? <laughs> I drove my car. I own it. After eight more payments. What? How'd you get here? I took an Uber. Do not know what that is. <laughs> I bet you're a vegan. Yeah, because I'm not a monster. Your generation is afraid of black people. Your generation thinks you are black people. Oh, word. <laughs> Look at who you guys voted for. Yeah, that's right. I voted. Touche. This is the only way you'll ever own a house. Learning how to text is the only way you'll ever communicate with your son. So. All right, guys, who took my Sheryl Crow album? Gen X. You know what? You're hired. I quit. Dad! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Usually I let that song play out a little bit, but I just want to get back into this because here on the Bear Brief on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, always on air, always online at crusadechannel.com, we have a very special uh, group of gentlemen here who have been absolutely ripping it up for the last three hours. And uh, I don't want to take any more time away from them. Let's jump back up to New Jersey and the front lines with Joe and Joe. Thanks, Rick, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, joined as always by Joe Resinello, being graciously hosted today by Rick Barrett at the Barrett Brief and Mike Church with the Crusade Channel. So we thank you guys and we thank the audience for listening in. So we want to, we got a, one last segment here, probably about 20 minutes. Joe and I want to just talk a little bit about liberal hypocrisy. That was a little Mike Church impression. A little hypocrisy. Love it. Um, and uh, and there's two examples of this, but one of which is going to co- we'll, uh, we'll talk about is going to be uh, a bit outrageous, but will be an example of hypocrisy. But let's first go to if you thought the state of New Jersey was godforsaken, Joe, where are we going right now? We're going to do a little Hollywood action. All right. Celebrities and global elites and business leaders, we can't forget them, have carbon footprints up to 300 times bigger than the rest of us. Remember, these are famous climate change activists. Sounds a little hypocritical to me. Just, just a smidge. So in case somebody's questioning my, uh, my facts here, why do you think that they have a 300 times larger uh, carbon footprint than the average person? It's because they take private jets. Private jets requ- uh, require exponentially more fuel and their carbon footprint is exponentially larger than the average person just to let you know for the record i drive a toyota echo 2004 four cylinders it's basically a go-kart yes it is (laughs) i got elk horns coming out of the front of it but it's a toyota echo nonetheless 
40 miles to the gallon. That's right. My carbon footnet footprint is pretty small. And guess what? I like plastic straws. They're trying to take away my plastic straws here in New York City. I don't like the paper straws. I like plastic ones. Real men use plastic straws. That's so why so I drive the Echo. But I find this to be kind of interesting, that these are the folks that are telling us how to live. They're telling us how to recycle and all the rest. And I am for recycling and I am for the environment. We are to be stewards of the environment. But guess what? I like people more. That's right. I like people more than the environment. The environment was made by God to serve us, and we are to be stewards of it. Right. So that's a pretty that's a pretty pretty simple concept. Right? I, like the, you you get the feeling that by driving I know you drive an echo, okay? But let's say I was driving a Cadillac. Love us Italians, we love Cadillacs and Lincolns. Okay, let's say I'm driving a 1977 boat, a, a, an Eldorado convertible down the street. They'll make it seem that you hate the planet. They'll make you seem like like the worst human being possible, and you're about to go into a couple of numbers. I'm not joking. If I drove a car like that, hell, if I drove a newer Cadillac, okay, that gets much more, much better gas mileage. All right, much better on emissions. They would still consider me a hateful person. They don't want me to drive a Cadillac. But now I want you to get into Tell the people, tell the people out there what kind of miles they clock on their private jets, and then these are the people who want to tell me I can't drive that Lincoln or that Cadillac. And you can't use that plastic straw. And I can't use the plastic straw. Go ahead, break down the numbers. So I got I got a list here for uh, for y'all. Uh, basically, you have Bill Gates. That was, by the way, my Southern thing. I just I I, 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 I did that, catch that. That was kind of crazy. I caught actually. that. It worked. <laughs> that was fine. It, it, it works. I'll, get, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, basically, Bill Gates. Last year, he took 59 flights, and he traveled 213,130 miles, mostly on his private jet, which only seats 19 people. Jennifer Lopez, she flew 139,520 miles. Our good friend Oprah Winfrey. Oh, please. She traveled 83,356 miles. And the founder of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, he flew 65,888 miles. Now break that down and can make that comparison between that and commercial, like, uh, just regular commercial flying. Well, basically commercial flying. And by the way, this includes first class. First class is pretty good. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I haven't been blessed enough to, to, to fly it a lot when I used to travel when Wall Street was Wall Street. And I used to be able to travel. I used to every once in a while get bumped up. It's nice. But they don't want to do that. They have to fly on their per, uh, their private jets, by the way. They don't seat as many people, and they use a lot of fuel. And that is why they have the carbon footprint that they have. And they want to take away my plastic straws. But let's go to Prince Harry and Meghan. Uh, what's her? How, how do you pronounce her I, I said before, I hate the fact that I even know her name, Meghan Markle. Okay, well, there yeah, we go. Meghan Markle. They've come out. Like, these people shouldn't be in the news. They shouldn't be in the public consciousness. Yet, they are. Meghan Markle's her name. I'm going to go to confession for knowing her name. Go ahead. <laughs> well, there it is. Uh, they came out with some interesting statements recently, uh, basically saying that they only have two children because of the elevated concerns they have for the planet. I don't know where you come up with that from a scientific perspective. Because the problem, I, I don't even know why. I, I don't want to insult them. Because Okay, but, but the problem with the world, Joe, according to their worldview, is that there's too many people in it. See, the, how does abortion and birth control, okay, how does that play? Why do, why do people talk about that and climate change in the same breath? What they're trying to say is you're going to ruin the planet for us cosmopolitan elites 
by all you black and brown people in Africa having too many babies. So what is Prince Harry and, and the woman's name, whose name I wish they didn't know, Meghan Markle, how do they factor in? We are going to have two children. Bully for you. But what about the guy in Kenya that wants eight kids? Okay. They'll say, and this is what they do. Well, no, no, he, he, he can't. We're going to teach their women. They're, we're we're going to teach them how to contracept. And if the contraception fails, uh, we're going to force them to have abortions. Now, they don't go so far as China does yet to force abortions, but it all ties in. What does this all come down to? The world is here. You mentioned being stewards of the planet. They want to use the planet for their own comfort, for their own well-being, for, for their own pleasure. Because, man, what did you say earlier? They've thrown God out of their lives. So they replace God with the false God of, of pleasure, of immediate gratification, of, with the idea that uh, they, you only go around once. There is no afterlife. There's nothing to be uh, – you're not going to be held accountable for your sins. So what they do is they try to live life as comfortably and as pleasurably as they can. And usually that involves taking something away from someone else. In this case, you black and brown people in Africa and all you Catholics who think that big families are good, you're stealing more of my resources. That's all this is about. This has nothing to do with the fact that, look, they proved that. That's why I'm bringing this up. They proved that with the fact that they clock hundreds of thousands of miles all the time. And yet they're going to look at us and say, you in your echo as you're sipping your big gulp through a plastic straw, that somehow you're the problem in the world. Who's the problem in the world? You or them? So it's very simple. Their goal is always very simple. They think the problem is that there's too many people. And being that there's as many people as there are, they're going to restrict your behavior. That's what they're going to do. And that's what they do with this environmental nonsense. And they do it a lot of times by bullying and making us feel guilty for very simply heating our homes in the wintertime, okay, or buying gasoline to go to work, that we don't want to take mass transit. I want to drive my car to work. That's the way they do it. It's hypocrisy. It is, it is the, 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 the modern environmental movement. I, I hate to even give it legitimacy by calling it an environmental movement. That movement, okay, is, is, is blatant, blatant hypocrisy. It's all it is. And I'm not, not wrong about that. Well, what I would always say is I would rather hear that there's a problem from a scientist than from a... Uh, scientists don't agree with that. You're right. Scientists we, don't agree with that. we covered this on our show. We covered a this on our show. This, the scientists who don't agree with them are the ones you never hear from. The scientists who do agree with them, well, 97% of the world scientists... No, 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 that's a lie. Not 90% of the world scientists. 97% of the scientists that you want to pick and choose to actually back you up. Those whose funding is tied to them saying the right thing. You get a guy, I think we use this as an example. He's doing science. He's looking for a cure for cancer at an American university, okay? Now, he's a scientist. He's getting funded, all right? And he needs that funding so he could try to find the cure for cancer. And they come and they ask him, what do you think? You think that climate change is a hoax? What do you think he's going to say knowing that his answer might have consequences that are going to get him defunded. He's going to go, he's going to pull a Frankie Pentangeli from The Godfather. He's going to go, yeah, sure, why not? That's what he's going to do, okay? And he's going to make sure that his funding keeps going. That's exactly what's going to happen. And then they put him in the list of the 97% of people who agree with them on climate change. They're not, they're not talking to all the objective scientists out there. We, I forgot to study in the exact numbers. You're talking about the world's Three, four, five hundred scientists all come out and saying, basically, this is a hoax. And, and the story that we did cover was scientists challenged the UN. Uh, that's right. That, that's and what it basically, was. And it was five hundred scientists who they, signed it. They basically were challenging their position. 
and their emphasis on something that is going to cost way too much money and is not grounded in science. science. Get it? Science. Too many. You see, this is another thing where we in our culture, when we talk about and what Joe said about having Christ the king. The king of the culture clearly isn't Christ. We're looking to people like George Clooney. We're looking to people like Lady Gaga to tell us how to live. These are the people, frankly, most of their lives are a disaster. Sadly. Well, you know that they, they would respond because they measure, you just hit the nail on the head, everything's about money. They measure their happiness by the size of their bank book. But their souls, again, I hate to sound judgmental, but outwardly in the things they say, their souls are empty. They're not satisfied by anything that can satisfy, which, of course, the church teaches, which is the grace of Almighty God. Well, Augustine okay? taught us that. Augustine right. said, the heart does not rest until it rests in thee. Right. But these people reject that. They look to money. They look to their fame. All, like, all, all it is is false idols. This, this, this is not, you know, deep uh, or, or deep explanation. They set up false idols, all right, in place of God. And what are their idols? Their idols are money and fame. How do they maintain money and fame? They have to go with the culture on all these issues and fall in lockstep. It happens to all of them. Um, they, they, they forget any ideas of, of any sane ideas that they might have held. And now they go in with the group thing. The group think of Hollywood, okay? And they have to get on board with climate change. They have to get on board with LGBT. They have to get on board with abortion. They all get on board because they're empty inside. Well, what I they would call that is misdirected I empathy. Well, That's something, I think there's something innate in all of us to do good. All human beings, we were made by God to love him, to serve him, but we also are made to do good. Now, when you write off certain things that are clearly wrong, their intrinsic evils, same-sex marriage, abortion. Mm -hmm. You have to direct that desire to do good in something else. And I think the basically pseudo-religion right. is the climate. Okay, but here's the thing. It's what they think is good, or it's what they've convinced themselves is something good. Oh, you know what? I respect you more, George Clooney, and all you people that talk about poor people. Go, go, roll up your sleeves and go to a soup kitchen over there in in in, in Los Angeles. I'm sure there's plenty of them. If you want to do something that's actually good, go look at a poor person in their face and feed them a, a, a bowl of soup or or a hot meal. If you want to do something actually good, don't pretend with through climate change that you're espousing or promoting something that's good with just to make yourself feel better about yourself, okay, knowing that that's all a lie. You don't sacrifice anything. You certainly don't sacrifice time. Every minute of these people's lives, they get paid for, okay? Somebody's paying them when, when their time is demanded of them, and they're paying through the notes. They're not volunteering time, energy. They're not doing anything that's really worthwhile, okay? So they champion these causes. They've convinced themselves that this is a good thing. They've convinced themselves that a, a woman's right to choose is a good thing, but it's baby murder, okay? Um, climate change is about uprooting the way we live our lives and the way, yes, we use as good stewards the, the, the abundance of the earth so that we can live our lives, heat our homes, drive our cars, do the things that we need to do so we can lead a productive life. Uh, that life could be a little bit easier. They pass judgment on us. In the meantime, we're just we're just a bunch of jamokes here in North Jersey just trying to live our lives, all right, doing the really the good thing and the right thing, and they pretend they're doing the right thing. In the meantime, it's always the word that you like to use and we like to use here. They sacrifice nothing. 
nothing. Well, God is found in sacrifice, but the problem is we're listening to them as a culture. This is the voice that we're listening to. We have drowned out the voice of God, and God is found in silence. You see, silence is how we find God. Mother Teresa said that. She said God isn't found in in the, the you know the bombastic. He's found in silence. We have to carve that time out and listen to that small voice which is inside each of our hearts. God loves everybody. God loves George Clooney. And I am called to love him too. Does God love Donald Trump? I think he does. <laughs> I actually They would say, he no, he definitely loves George Clooney, but you know God hates Donald Trump. <laughs> Everybody hates Donald Trump. Even the God Almighty even God Almighty hates Donald Trump. But we have to listen to that I know. voice. Show and you. if we did, the culture would change. Because God is still here. We all have to just turn our ears to him. And sadly, the culture especially a lot of young people coming up now who sadly don't have a lot of hope. I see it in the faces. I commute into New York City every day. I go in through the uh, path station, go walking through lower Manhattan. I see the faces of these young kids with their music in their ears. They're looking at their cell phones. Their eyes are dead. Their eyes are dead. And there is nothing worse than seeing a young person who does not have hope. But that's why an act of pure charity, an act of love, all right, uh, that parents uh, can can commit towards their children. Rip the phones out of their hands. Shut the computer. Okay, somebody very dear to me. I'll never forget it. I, I, I watched her with her daughter. I watched her daughter who was being punished by her mom. Okay, and the punishment was that for one week she couldn't go on Facebook. I never saw a kid more shrill in my life. And the mother kept saying, you keep crying. It's going to be two weeks. She, she was, she's a good mother. She was shutting her kid down. Take the phones away. Take the, shut the computers. Get your sons away from the computer. Go loosen up if you're a little bit older like me and you. And go throw baseball or football with your kid and get them outside breathing fresh air. That's one thing we could do. Because like you said, if your face is constantly in a computer all day long, okay, if it's constantly in a computer or on your phone, what do you think other people are going to see in you? Emptiness. All you're doing is looking through a screen. Human contact, human interaction. I, again, I work in the city too. Okay. And this is, this goes for adults also. Okay. You hold the door open. Nobody says, thank you. You bear, people barely say you're welcome. Okay. Uh, everybody's walking down the street. You think they're talking to themselves. In the meantime, they got that little microphone in, in their ear, that little receiver in their ear. They're, it looks like they're talking to, like 20 years ago, you would have said, wow, the person's talking to themselves. They, they belong in a loony bin. Okay. They're talking to somebody on the phone. Everything is these damn machines now, which is all, by the way, they're useful, but they're meant to drive us apart, to isolate us. It particularly happens to kids because kids are not fully mature. So they're not responsible. We're responsible. We use the phone uh, for different reasons. We're Skyping right now, what we're doing. But we have to rip these things out of our kids' hands. We have to do that. If you really wanted to do something good, we started this by saying, do something good. Get your kids out of their phone. Get your face out of their phones and away from their computers. Get them outside throwing a football around there. Do something. Bring them to church. How's that? First and foremost, bring them to church. Bring them to mass. But it's, it amazes me. It amazes me that we allow this stuff. Well, again, I, I think like like we were saying, people are listening to the wrong voices. And a key 
to listening to the right voice is to carve out silence in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I, we go to adoration, Eucharistic adoration, a half hour a week. We have three young children. It's difficult to go together. I, she goes, then I go. We have a convent fairly close to our house. Mm-hmm. And we go there and we pray. Half an hour a week, that's all I could do right now as, as a married man with three children. And we do our best. But we can all do that. We have to tune out the voices of the George Clooney's who are telling us that God is the environment. No, God made the environment. And we have to listen to the true God. And he is there and he is waiting for each of us because he loves us dearly. And he died for us. And if you do give him the chance, you will absolutely be glad that you did. Your life will improve. No one's better than anybody. And I'll tell you this, I'm not better than any person who's listening to this show. But I will say this, when you allow God in your life, your life will improve. I wasn't born going to church every day. Believe it. Believe it. I'm a completely different person than I was when I was in college. My friends don't even recognize me. And I allowed Christ in my life. And you can too. And it starts with the voice that's still there and he's speaking to you now. Listen to him. And if you do, you'll be glad you did. You you are. Amen, brother. Amen. And it's what's not being said and and needs to be said much more often. So ending our show here at the the front line with Joe and Joe and uh, and on the Barrett brief with Rick Barrett being hosted graciously by Mike Church and the Crusade Channel. Um, That is a great, great way to end this uh, this controlled chaos that we've had for the last uh, for the last three hours. And, uh, you know, Rick, um, you know, thank you so much for uh, for bringing us on the show um, and letting us, uh, you know, host a show for you today. And we want to thank Mike. Um, and uh, we're at the front line with Joe and Joe. Uh, you can search for us, the front line with Joe and Joe on Facebook. You'll see our ugly mugs and you could follow us on there and spread the news. You can watch all our videos. We go on Sunday nights, eight o'clock live on Facebook. So join us uh, on uh, on this Sunday, hopefully. And yeah, we just, Rick, we just want to say thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, well, for hosting us. Excellent job today, gentlemen. I thank you for uh, taking the challenge and, and coming on air. We look forward to, uh, we'll all tune in this Sunday night and uh, listen to it. You have been briefed here on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade Channel. By the way, folks, free download. We're going to make their show a free download today for you all. Go to uh, my page. It'll, it'll be under the Barrett Brief one, but it'll say front lines. You can download it for free. You've been listening to the Barrett Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, coming to you from the Republic of Texas. I'm your humble host, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Barrett. And in the words of Mother Angelica, I am no punching bag. I want to grace and peace to every single one of you.